Gather round creeps, gather round fools, gather round spirits, and gather round ghouls. Listen to me, for I have a story of blackening fright and all things gory. Of grinning pumpkins and demon cats, of wicked witches and scurrying rats. They've all come together to celebrate and feast. Larry the Wolf and Igor the Beast. For this is the night when the little babies cry and orange mist pours from their eyes. When monster girls and monster men patiently wait for the fun to begin. What do they know that you've never seen? Well, I'll tell you, my friend, a glorious hootenanny called Halloween. The horrors of this Halloween night would be remembered in the town of Lethbridge for years to come, and it would shock no one to know that the terror would begin in the foulest place ever imagined, a one-bedroom apartment of a 20-something-year-old bachelor. Oh, be careful with that, Bernie. That looks dangerous. Uh, don't you worry, bud. I got this. The home belonged to the Gravedigger's Local 16 intern, and he had asked me and Bernie Freak Show owner of Lethbridge Machinery and Equipment Rental, to help in completing one of the most time-honored traditions in a young man's life, setting up his entertainment system. Bernie! I'm all right, I'm all right. I didn't need those fingers anyway. Oh, intern, it'll take more than a little electricity to take down Bernie Freak Show. I've seen him get struck by lightning twice while operating a backhoe on a job. It didn't even phase him. I mean, Mostly. Look, look, see? Almost all of his hair has grown back. And it's fuller, too. Oh, hey, I got feeling back in them fingers. <laughs> so, you sure you want to spend Halloween alone, intern? Like, have you really considered mm. this decision? Oh, yes, I think it'll be fun this year. It's going to be my first Halloween in this apartment. And I've heard that kids still trick-or-treat around this neighborhood. I've never handed out candy before. Plus, I think it might be nice to stay in. Like, I can't remember the last time I spent Halloween at home. I'm usually too wrapped up in the craziness that goes on with the Grave Diggers Local 16 Halloween party. Oh, yeah. Say, how did you get out of working that this year? I thought... Helping set up the antiquated decorations and ordering the food was a key tenement of your internly duties. Well, technically, I'm no longer your intern. Wait, what? Oh, it turns out that my internship with GDL16 officially ended like four years ago? For some reason, no one ever told me. And I just continued to work for you guys for free or close enough to free? Uh, um, well, I, uh, I, hmm, I think it was Gus who had the check without and, um, hey, um, yeah. Oh, don't worry. According to union rules, all these years of quote-unquote unconventionally compensated experience meant that when a new position opened up at QuietSide, the job was practically mine. I'm no longer the GDL16 intern, 
I am now the Quiet Side Cemetery social media coordinator slash office manager slash assistant custodial navigator. Uh, well, congratulations. So, what do you do again? Oh, make the coffee, sort the mail, tweet about the coffee, Instagram the cemetery, help with any big jobs. So really you're doing the same thing, but we're actually paying you for it now. And that's why I can afford this brand new apartment. You couldn't really afford a new television though. While the intern and I were talking, Bernie had been fiddling with rewiring this old wooden television set that had leaped off the yellowing pages of a faded Sears catalog from the late 1970s. This demented Magnavox Revenant looked like it had spent the last three decades prowling the dark corners of a haunted junkyard. How it ended up here, I could only imagine. What are you talking about? This set is amazing. Bernie found it for me. He said that old man Klobuki had it sitting in his shed for years and was able to part with it for about 20 bucks and a promise that we never bring it back. How are you supposed to watch anything on this? I don't think you can get 4K Ultra HD on this thing. Hell, I don't even think you can get half a K. Does it even work? Like, what is this brand? Monstrovox? Must be Italian. Yeah. It's Italian, I think, or Romanian, something from that part of the world. I found this overseas guy who was able to mail me over some parts. And, uh, I guess he, he got the time zones mixed up because they could only be delivered late at night. That's weird. Yeah, I was going to spring for a new TV, but Bernie said he could get me this one for a fraction of a cost. And he said he could rewire it and get it at least cable ready. Oh yeah, you'll find this little Frankenstein set up for high def, low brow, and middle of the road content. It was tough to get this little bucket of bolts operational, but with those Romanian parts and a few glowy things I found back in the shop, it seems ready. You even got your remote. Why don't you try it out? The intern took the remote from Bernie, this odd-looking black slab of plastic and metal. We all watched as he pressed the power button, and suddenly the ancient television set came to life. Hello, my dreadful dreariest. It is I, Winnedred Aloysius Scarrington. But you can call me Dredda Scare or Dreddy if you're ready. Oh, cool! Way to go, Bernie! The TV's ready, just in time! Glad to be of service. Any job you can walk away from without losing a toe is a good We're one. We're coming to you live, or close enough, here on KRPT Channel 13, reminding you to tune in to my Halloween movie marathon. It all starts tonight at 6 o'clock, just when the sun goes down! Oh look! A horror host with a movie marathon! What perfect timing! That was the first time we all saw her. Dread a scare. Dressed as if she had raided the casket of her namesake. A black pinstripe suit with spats, a top hat sitting precariously on top of her fright wig, and enough ghoulish makeup to transform her into an extra on both The Gay Divorcee and Return of the Living Dead. So you're going to stay inside tonight on Halloween to watch television? Uh, maybe? I mean, Dreddy here looks cool, but you know, if you wanted to see someone wearing a costume from Mullen's Masquerade dance around while making ghoulish faces, you could just come down to the Union Hall tonight and hang out at the Gravedigger's Local 16 party. We're going to have a fondue crypt. As inviting as that, uh, invite sounds, 
there's also another reason why I want to stay in. And that is? Well, for the last six years, whenever Halloween rolls around Lethbridge, something insane sort of happens. Be it me getting wrapped up in my own great pumpkin story with the haunted Halloween phantom, or someone cloning your face, or the citizens getting turned into costume zombies, or us being chased by a guy with a chainsaw. It's all kind of a lot to take. I'm kind of tired. So, you know, I'd like to sidestep the madness this year by staying home. I'll hand out some candy, and I'll see what Dread of Scare here has in store. I really couldn't argue with that reasoning since it was the same exact excuse I gave to bail on Halloween all the way back on episode 80. But as Bernie and I packed up and left the intern to his apartment and his movies, I didn't have the heart to tell him what I learned so many years ago. Just because you're done with Halloween doesn't mean Halloween is done with you. It was a lesson the whole town of Lethbridge was about to find out for itself. Now darlings, get ready for a Halloween that you'll never forget. In fact, it'll be so fun, we may keep the party going. Forever! <laughs> Six Foot Plus and GDL 16 Productions present the 2018 Halloween special, It Came From The TV, starring more fiends than you ever imagined, including Monster Matt Patterson, Igor, Craig Chaos, the GDL-16 intern, The Phantom Creeps, and myself, Strange Jason. Special appearances by John Jughead Pearson, Kid Congo Powers, Charlie Brown of the Browns, and so many more surprises that I will not give them away here. Featuring the music of Sam Haynes. It's the Six Foot Plus 2018 Halloween Special.
After Bernie and I helped the intern get set up in his new home, he went back to his wife Loretta so they could help their kids, Poinsettia and Humphrey, get ready for Halloween. I was due back at Union Hall to help Gus run the GDL 16 Halloween party. I had to stop at my own place to pick up my costume for the night. After a long deliberation as to what or whom to be, I decided to dress up as a black and orange version of Will Eisner's famous crime fighter and call myself the Spirit of Halloween. That little bit of genius wordplay didn't translate well, as I would find out that no one would get the joke. I had more than a few people at the GDL 16 party come up and ask if I was David S. Pumpkins. After the fourth person inquired where my skeleton b-boys were, I retreated to the back of the hall, only to be found by Gus, my co-worker at Quiet Side Cemetery. Should've dressed up as Deadpool like me. At least people would have known who you are. <laughs> there are like four different Deadpools here. I would just be another face in the crowd. Sounds like someone's having an identity crisis. Wait, what? We had recently renovated Union Hall thanks to a federal grant, specifically Grant Anderson, an ex-lieutenant governor whose foundation gave us enough money to spruce up the joint. Somehow, after a few coats of paint here and a little carpentry there, the budget had enough money for a pair of 70-inch flat screens. I hadn't noticed, but the television right above my head was set to channel 13 KRPT with that horror host, Dread a Scare. I guess that's the trouble you get when you clown around with clones, my dreadful drearies. We'll be back to Night of the Xerox Zombies after this dance break. I watched as another Dread a Scare walked in as if it was a cheesy two-camera split from the 1980s. She made a joke about how being a clone means you're always dancing, dancing with yourself. yourself. And sure enough, Billy Idol's Dancing With Myself, or a cheap knockoff version, began to play. <laughs> you know what? She's pretty funny. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't know Lethbridge had a horror host. I thought the last one we had was in the 90s. It was, what was that, Dr. Mort Uary? But then Reap... Uh, rights and equality for animated persons... ...protested and said it was culturally insensitive. <laughs> Well, we we used to have a couple, I reckon. There was a uh, Dr. Bones when I was growing up. Uh, Gulia Graves. Uh, let me think. Professor Deranged. Uh, oh yeah, Casparella della Morte. But uh, I don't know. This uh, gritty person seemed familiar to me, but uh, can't really place the face. Are you sure she hasn't been on television before? As Gus raised a finger towards the screen, a vague feeling of recollection hit me. Right about that time, the intern was resting in his easy chair in his new apartment, already hours deep into the movie marathon. With a bowl of Halloween candy for any trick-or-treaters on one side and a tub of popcorn on the other, he had been glued to the screen ever since Bernie and I left. I love this song. He watched as the dancing pair of Dredda Scares gave way to a commercial break, the lifeblood of any televised program. Oh, cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller, your hands are so soft. Oh, I didn't know underground dwellers had dishes. 
Skamalev dish detergent? You don't say. I do say I'm going to eat you. I'd rather not be eaten, but your hands smell so fresh. Skamalev dish detergent removes human stains and leaves your hands feeling fresh. Oh, that hurts my voice. I suddenly feel the desire to buy that product. But first... From what I found out afterwards, the intern's neighbors had told him a half-truth when claiming trick-or-treaters still came by on Halloween. It was more that his neighborhood of Red Elm had built up a reputation over the years as being one of the last parts of Lethbridge that still hands out treats on the holiday. Anybody tempted by the allure of free candy could just throw on a costume and come by, including... Trick or treat! Smell my feet! Give me something good to eat! Monster Matt Patterson and Igor. Hey, how did you know it was us? Call it a lucky guess. What are you guys doing here? Uh, we were wondering if you had a moment to talk about changing your electric supplier to clean energy. Wait, really? No, you idiot. What does it look like we're doing? Give me candy. <laughs> Aren't you guys too old to go trick-or-treating? Like Monster Matt, don't you have kids of your own? And Igor, I don't know how old you are, but you are certainly well past your expiration date. Canonically speaking, I don't think we've established if I have kids or not. Besides, considering however year, something cataclysmic happens around Halloween. I would probably say they're much safer off back in Matsylvania. And while we understand it's no longer socially acceptable to go trick-or-treating when you're old enough to get a job, one that allows you to make enough money to buy candy, yeah, Igor is small enough to be mistaken for a child, and Igor loves candy, so hand it over. <laughs> At least you dressed up. So I must uphold the sacred contract of the trick-or-treat. Yeah, we said smell our feet and everything. <laughs> Who are you supposed to be dressed up as anyways? Well, you know how the big new trend a few years ago was to make everything zombies or vampires or apes? Yeah, vaguely. Well, with the success of Disney's Coco, we think skeleton versions of pop culture icons will be the next big thing in geek popularity. We're trying to jump ahead of the trend so we can be considered influencers and rake in all that sweet, sweet social media money. <laughs> I'm currently dressed up as a skeleton version of Wonder Woman. That would explain the Amazonian skirt and why you shaved your legs. And Igor is a skeleton version of Sans from Undertale. Nah, I don't get the reference, but he tells me kids will know it. Wait, you're dressed up as a skeleton version of a skeleton? How does that make sense? Double skeleton all the way. That means Igor gets twice more candy. <laughs> I don't buy it. I think you're not a skeleton, but a bonehead. <laughs> Look, it's cold out here, and Igor's mom wouldn't let him go without wearing a coat. And you know how lame it is when you have to put the coat over a costume. Give Igor a break. Speaking of taking a break, can we wrap this up? This is the last house in the Shady Elm neighborhood. Once we get candy, we can get out of the cold and head back to old Matsylvania. Look, this might come back to bite me in the butt, but do you guys want to warm up in here? 
If you're done trick-or-treating, I've got some popcorn, some warm cider on the stove. Plus, there's this really cool monster movie marathon going on with this kooky horror host. If you want to stay and watch a movie before heading back, uh, so long as- Well, it is rather early, and it would be nice to warm up these cold bones. You could put on some pants, master. I mean, you're scary, but seeing you in a skirt has Igor feeling uh, a little weird. I think I'm pulling the look off, thank you very much. <laughs> well, all right, intern, you talked us into it. Eh, we'll stay for just a little bit. It was about the exact same time that Monster Matt Patterson and Igor helped themselves into the intern's apartment, making themselves at home to watch the start of Radioactive Dracula 2, Glow in the Dark Blood, you know, right before the series went downhill with Radioactive Dracula 3, Spring Break Bloodsucker. I was finishing off my third pumpkin-flavored cocktail at the GDL 16 holiday party, and I happened to bump into a familiar face, albeit one behind a mask. Excuse, oh, excuse me, oh yeah, wait, 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 wait a minute. Is that Craig Chaos I see behind that mask? How did you know it was me? The smell of gasoline and punk rock kind of gave you away. How have you been? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. What do you think about my Huina costume? I look like a hot dog with mustard. <laughs> it's rather accurate. I'm glad you can make it to the party. I know that after the last couple of years, what with the costume zombies and the ghost bears, it might not be a great idea to hang out here on All Hallows' Eve. What are you talking about? I love the craziness that rolls around every time October 31st goes down. My last name is not Chaos just because the Chaos Clan immigrated here from Slovenia at the turn of the century. It's a way of life, bro. So cheers. Plus, I love the theme you got going on to this. 80s night. Totally dig it. Totally. Huh? We don't have a theme for this year's party. Oh, really? Then there's going to be some stiff competition in the group costume competition because a lot of people here coordinate their outfits. Listen to me now. Look over here. That guy is dressed like the space creature from the diary of a brain-eating alien. Oh, and that couple over there look like the reptilians from Night of the Rattlesnakes. Oh, look. They're all dressed like the monster cure circus connies from the deadly hall of mirrors. Oh, and that guy's a dead ringer for Bloody Harry. As Craig, with his familiarity with the neon-spackled horror of the 1980s, continued to point out era-specific costumes, I couldn't help but get a nagging feeling that something was wrong. Like, people were dressing up as B-grade terrors, like these were the bottom-of-the-barrel flicks back in the video store heyday. Tales from the Quad Dead Zone and Slumber Party Massacre 3 got rented more than these movies. Hmm, we got a few of the photocopy shamblers from Attack of the Xerox Zombies and that woman's gender-bent version of Radioactive Dracula, probably from, hmm, part two, part two, I'd say, yeah, part two. Personally, I don't think there's a series really picked up until part three. I still have Spring Break Bloodsuckers on VHS at the house. Wait, Radioactive Dracula 2? As in the movie that's playing right now? I pointed Craig's attention to one of the giant television screens where the titular Count Geiger was currently suckling down his latest victim. Just as the person was about to turn into a cheesy, glow-in-the-dark, mindless zombie, it cut to our host for the evening, Dread Scare. After sliding into frame with a skid that almost seemed unnatural, she flashed that ghoulish grin at the camera. 
my, oh my. When Dr. Buckley said she wanted to go necking, I don't think that's what she meant. So here's hoping Count Geiger, the radioactive Dracula, brushed his teeth. I always hate it when my death has bad breath. <sighs> oh, please, amateur. As Craig and I were transfixed on Dread of Scare across town, Monster Matt Patterson wasn't so impressed with the horror host. Bat breath? Please. Uh, mister? I mean, come on, if you're going to make a radioactive Dracula joke, is that the beast you've got? I thought the joke was funny. Eh, it's fine. But you're in the presence, oh, I like presence. I mean, uh, you're in the presence of the man of a thousand bad monster jokes. If you're talking radioactive Dracula, I would say Dr. Buckley certainly freaked out once getting bitten. But what do you expect from a nuclear scientist? They always overreact. See what I did there? <laughs> so that goes to show that you need to keep an eye on your nuclear Draculas because they're certainly unstable. <laughs> oh, it's going to be like that, is it? Oh no! Oh no 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 no! Oh no 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 no! No! What? What's going on? Yeah, I've seen this before. Master's about to get into a pun battle. He's entering the Pondodome. You can't really blame him for biting her. He's eaten next to nothing throughout the entire movie. <laughs> Though I can see why she would fall for a radioactive drac here. Though he doesn't sparkle, he does have a certain glow to him. Though... After she sees that atomic hickey, she's certainly going to have a meltdown. There's no cure for a mark like that. I did hear that this movie had a different working title, Geiger Count Dracula, but focus groups didn't really react to that. Oh, that was good. I know what it's like when you have an inert audience. <laughs> I tried to entertain a group of chemistry teachers once, but I was clearly out of my element. <laughs> the problem is when you're dealing with vampires, it's a lot of high stakes, so you better keep some on hand. Really? How about the next time Drax suggests they go home to Netflix and chill, she should suggest they go out for Bloody Marys instead. Or she could just say she's not his type. A, B instead of O, negative. <laughs> As Igor and the intern brace themselves, Monster Matt Patterson decided to unleash some of the best of the worst of the Monster Matt Minute, displaying his bad joke prowess. Those who weren't there in the intern's apartment, like me and Craig, who witnessed this one-sided pun run from Union Hall, saw the edges of Dreddy's smile point sinisterly upwards as her eyes flashed a chilling coldness. Oh, crud. <laughs> you know what they say about tough vampire bat wings? They're unflappable. <laughs> hey, uh... What do you get when combining a baby cow, a vampire, and a radioactive measure of time? A calf life that sucks. <laughs> uh, what happened to the necular vampire's old shoes? His caretaker throat them out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why did radioactive Dracula get chased from the pond? They don't allow fission. <laughs>
Hey, did you know there's a Cyclops vampire combo that makes you wonder about radio isotopes? <laughs> what did that old radioactive Dracula say when he was on a radio show? Am I on? <laughs> what do you get by crossing the old world with nuclear elements? Transylvania mutations. <laughs> Of which I might just be one. Hmm. Whew. See? No one can outlast the man of a thousand bad monster jokes when it comes to puns on Halloween. <laughs> huh? Like a breath blowing out a candle, every light bulb inside the apartment suddenly snapped off. Darkness flooded the one-bedroom home, save for the now eerie, unnatural glow coming from the ancient television set. Igor, Monster Matt, and the intern watched as if dready, looking as if she had been watching them this entire time, approached the camera with one hand raised out front. She walked slowly, and as her fingertips were about to touch the studio camera's lens, static. The sound of static filled every molecule inside that apartment, a blaring, hissing cacophony. As they tried to cover their ears, the trio couldn't close their eyes as they were frozen open in horror at what they saw. What is happening? The moment she touched the camera lens, the glass on the television screen had fluctuated, almost as if she had disturbed the surface of a still pond. The trio watched in horror as those fingertips reached through the television screen, followed by a hideous arm that gripped one side of the TV set. As she pulled herself through, the pleasing form of Dredda Scare shifted into a cyclopean giant. Fraught with rot, decay, and malice, the trio cowered as this ten-foot-tall specter projecting from the television set loomed over them and flashed a horrific smile. My dreariest, I'm just getting started.
So what would you do if suddenly a 10-foot-tall, ghastly horror host had pulled herself through your television to leer down at you with a fanged grin? Run away! Falstaff is considered fiction's greatest coward, outside of Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, but by how fast those three ran out screaming into the Halloween night, there could be a new contender for the title. While Monster Matt Igor and the intern were fleeing for their lives, over at the GDL 16 holiday party, I and Craig Chaos had to deal with our own blood-curdling catastrophe. We're out of beer. What do you mean we're out of beer? Gus said we had about five kegs and enough two-fours to last us until Canadian Thanksgiving 2022. I'm not seeing it. Oh, gross. What was that? Ah, oh, that smell. Ah, oh, it smells like a cross between pumpkin stout and a snail Snickers bar and decaying skin. <gasps> that putrid scent could only come from one foul mouth. Trick or treat, kiss my feet. Moloch smells like rotting meat. It was Ed the Ghoul. <laughs> the spectral fiend of Phantom Creep Theater and troublesome trickster demon ghoul thing. Craig and I watched as this inebriated apparition slowly rose up from behind one of the kegs of pumpkin-flavored beer to meet us eye to eye. Or eye to stomach, since Eck is short and he was hovering at us about maybe half-mast at that point. Happy Halloween, you jerks. Your party's lame and you're out of beer. Eck the ghoul. Did you drink all the beer? No, I didn't drink all the beer. I left the pumpkin flavored watermelon IPA. Cause that is gross. Yuck, no good. I get that watermelon is the in flavor this year, but knock it off you jerks. Ugh. Will you give me that keg tap? Oh, Ack, what are you doing here? I thought you were supposed to be giving the rest of the Phantom Creeps a tour around Lethbridge. It's their first time that they've come to this town and I really want them to get the full experience. Ooh, yeah. The beautiful town of Lethbridge. The bustling metropolis of all things morbid and macabre. Hey, wanna see all the resplendent glory of Lethbridge? Why, come on down. it would only take you 20 minutes. I think he's reading from the official brochure. You really need a new tourism department, I'd say. Yeah, for the longest time, we had a disgruntled gremlin in charge of that department. He wasn't so much voted out of office as he was exploded out of office when someone decided to open the blinds one morning. Look, jerk, I gave them the quick runaround and ditched those losers. The moment the mighty Moloch found out that some... <laughs> Silent movie star's sister once dated a guy whose brother-in-law happened to be buried somewhere in the town square. <sighs> he started conducting the tour himself, so I came here. Great. I want to party with you guys. Your party's cooler anyway. At least it was when you had something to drink. But you got movies. Like, look up there. It's the defenestration slash decapitation scene from Field of Scream 6. Tractor's Revenge. Sure enough, the giant screen was showing that exact scene where Tractor, the undying farmhand from the Field of Screams franchise, managed to throw a writhing co-ed throughout a window and the ensuing fall 
onto a wheat thresher, not only lopped off her head, but activated the device. As we watched the screen fill up with the color red, in came Dreddy. My, my. That's what she gets for trying to sow her wild oats, eh, my dreadful dreary? Though she did say earlier in the film that she went up to the farm to become one with nature. And she certainly did that, didn't she? <laughs> hey, she's pretty funny. Why, thank you, dreary. You're welcome. Though so with that, we're getting close to the blood-curdling finale. I wonder what will happen up next. Let me consult my handy television guide, the Necrotelonomicon. Ooh. It looks like we have the blood monster from Blackwood Swamp coming up, followed by Dr. Decay. As if going to the dentist wasn't frightening enough. I was so captivated by the horror movie, mainly for its use of practical effects and how they still managed to make the writhing body of the headless co-ed wiggle as she was rendered into bloody chunks of cream of wheat, that I hadn't noticed Craig Chaos had wandered off. Good news, guys. So I went looking for Gus to see if he had any more beer, and it turns out we've been in the wrong part of the hall the whole time. All the fresh beer is over there, and Eck, it would seem, has been drinking the skunk leftovers from the past Halloween parties. What? What? Are you kidding? All this time they've been throwing back pretty much junk? Huh. No wonder I'm not wasted. Wait, I don't think that's how that works. Best not to question it. Instead, here, have this. Tractor decided to mix up something special. He calls his cocktail the Body Snatcher. You know, because of the movie with Boris Karloff that require you to wear top hats, scarves, and long coats. That's why I started wearing a bowler. That, and I want everyone to think that I'm really, really into ska. Hey, that's not that bad. Who did you say made it? Oh, the bartender. He's dressed up like the tractor from the Field of Screams movie. <coughs> well, what, is this drink too strong for you? I thought it was good. I like it. A little sip, a sip, a little something. Tractor's not that well known of a horror monster. I think you see more people dressed up as Rawhead Rex or the Deadly Spawn instead of him at Halloween parties. It strikes me as just odd. Now, my dreary, dreary. Dreda scare was still going on, though it was about time for her to take a commercial break. Some of you might be unfamiliar with this line of movies, but I personally think they're cut above the rest. Besides, who wouldn't want to see something new on Halloween? Though, if you have some requests here at KRPT, you could call in at 347-391-1953. And leave a request. In fact, let's open the deadlines now and see if anyone calls in. Who still uses a landline these days? Hey, heck, heck. Better a landline than a landmine, eh? Ugh. Are your malerpes flaring up strange, Jason? That sounds like a bad joke you got from Moloch. Now I know what you're thinking. This phone is as ancient as yours, Ghoulie, right? Well, better a landline than a landmine, I say. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. She just said... Shush! Don't interrupt! That's rude! We watched as Dreddy did a short, soft shoe shuffle around the phone as some odd music played in the background. I've since argued it was Herb Albert, but others have said otherwise. 
After this little song and dance number ended, with Dreddy doing what seemed to be a quadruple spin on one toe, we waited and… nothing. The phone remained silent, and for a second I swear I thought I caught Dreddy's eyes flicker, showing a moment of panic, of fear, of something more behind her ghoulish, ghostly grin. Seems the deadline, uh, might be dead. I guess we'll have to call in a resurrection man to see if any of you dreadful drearies are still able to call up dear old Dreddy. I mean, does anyone even call in anymore? Like, who uses their phones to make calls? I'm surprised she's not checking her Twitter account. Does she even have one? Huh, I just looked it up. She does, and it's only been active for a few hours. And it doesn't seem like she gets it. At Dread A Scare. All one word. Weird. Well, I wish someone would call in. It's just embarrassing. I wonder if anyone's even watching. It's probably just us, and that's going to change. Let's see what else is on. What? No! The movie's just about to get good, and Dreddy here is hilarious. I've seen this movie. What did you say? My search for the remote was interrupted as the lights inside of Union Hall went out. The crowds of people illuminated by pumpkin light and the bright glow radiating down from the opposing television screens. As Eck, Craig, and I looked up at the flat screen closest to us, we watched as Dreddy came closer to the camera, or what should have been the camera. We gasped as her hand, kissed by decay, reached through the now amorphous and liquid screen. We staggered back as a seemingly giant projection of the horror host loomed overhead. Gone was the makeup and cheap wig, now replaced with the unmistakable sight of cadaverous rot. No one is changing the channel. Oh crud. Oh, you can say that again. Oh cool. I didn't know you guys have one of those 3D televisions. I didn't even have to put my glasses on. Is he really that dense? Oh no. I'm just using humor to mask how completely terrifying I am. Oh my ghoul, what's going on? Now why would you want to change the channel? Aren't we having fun? Aren't you glad you tuned in to Dredda Scare's Dance Macabre? You were just enjoying the movie, weren't you? Yeah, but I've I've seen it like a hundred times. I'm sure Shudder plays it like twice a week. Oh, I've got some things that will make you shudder. How about we put on 1987 Son of the Beast from Haunted Cave up next? Dreddy pointed her outstretched hands towards one of the guests, one who had thought dressing up as a six foot tall chicken was a good idea. A bolt of green light blasted from her fingertips towards said chicken, turning it into a spider monster hybrid of a man and arachnid, one that spewed neon colored webbing all over the place. Oh, is that not scary enough for you? How about an American werewolf in Calgary? A zap of green light turned someone dressed in a store-bought superhero costume into a flannel-wearing Canadian werewolf. Hey, let's get some tidbits, see if we can mutilate some unsuspected co-eds before the flames came, eh? Get some 2 4 Molson, right? Ow, ow, ow! Uh, Strange Jason, we should be going. One by one, Dreddy started transforming the guests of our Halloween party into characters from the video shelf. The fiendish Dr. Bloodstein, Hell House Party Part 2, Satanic Sleepover, Triplets of Death, Ms. Frankenstein vs. the Zombies of the Apocalypse. As the hall was filling up with these video nasties, they began to approach us. Jason, what are we going to do? Uh, they're blocking the door and the windows are on the second level. 
So is this a no kill in hopes of turning the zombies back to normal situation or a decapitated go-go because I got this pocket chainsaw of mine? Put that away! This is definitely a no kill situation. I want to be able to change these people back if we can. Suit yourself, it's your funeral. Great choice of words. We armed ourselves with what we could. Both Craig and I had a pair of empty beer kegs, while X somehow found a real candlestick and not a plastic prop bought for effect. What plan do you got in mind? On the count of three, we rush towards the door. We're doomed. <laughs> You're so doomed. <sighs> All right. One. Two. Three. As we are about to rush the crowd, someone or something bursts through a window on the upper level of GDL 16 Union Hall. From the interior balcony, a group of video nasties were sent careening off the railing and down on top of some other former party guests. As the intruder stepped into the light, I first got a glimpse of the ray gun they pointed towards the ghostly vision of Dreddy coming out of the nearby TV screen. We interrupt this broadcast for an important message. Happy Halloween, motherfucker. Craig, Eck, and I stared agape in awe. Dr. Gangrene, the physician of fright, madman of Music City, and beloved horror host. He fired his weapon at the television screen, and it exploded in a shower of sparks and technology. But the good doctor didn't wait. He aimed his ray gun at the TV on the opposite wall, and... Oh, damn it. I hope those were still under warranty. Quickly, climb up here. Dr. Gangrene threw down a convenient rope to all three of us. Screw that, I can levitate. While the ghoul slowly floated upwards, Craig and I scrambled up the rope to the best of our abilities, ignoring the lingering PTSD from ancient gym classes that decided climbing rope was a legit exercise. Quick, we need to get out of here. What about the guests? Don't worry, they're gonna be fine. Considering how bad it's gonna be, they're safer being locked up in here. Plus, it seems there's enough beer and snacks to last until the end of the world, which, by my calculations, should be in a few hours. It's a real shame you blew up the TV. Are they supposed to just stand around and, and talk to each other? What kind of party is that? We watched as he pushed a few buttons on his phone or tablet or Mad Doctor device. I didn't really see and haven't really asked who he had for a carrier. And suddenly, through the stereo system, we heard... I was working in the lab late one There we go. My horror hootenanny mix should liven up this party. Or as close as you can get with these stiffs. Now, can we go and try and save Halloween and the rest of the world, huh? After you, Doc. We exited through the broken window, down a conveniently placed ladder. Had we stayed any longer, we would have not only found out that the Monster Mash really is a graveyard smash, Go check earlier episodes for evidence about that. But we would have seen one of the busted television screens begin to flicker, spark, and zap back to life, despite the gaping hole in the middle of the set. It seems nothing would deter the march of capitalism, as one of Dreddy's sponsors came in to say... <laughs> have you ever wandered past morning's twilight and just couldn't find the taste you were looking for? Do you ever lack the energy it takes just to get out of your coffin? <laughs> 
Trifolgia's Instant Blood, with an improved viscosity, flavored with mocha and hazelnut. You may have to drink blood, but that doesn't mean you have to sacrifice being a heapster. And now, for a short time only, for every jar of Instant Blood you purchase, you get a free box of Folgers Extra Thin Straws for the best fang-sucking sensation. Try Folgers Instant Blood. Suck it up and join the Coffin Achievers. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other side of town, the intern, Monster Matt Patterson, and Igor had stopped running, mainly because they were out of shape and needed to breathe. Despite neither of them seeing the inside of a gym that wasn't a jungle type, they had managed to run into the center of Lethbridge, smack dab in the middle of all the Halloween festivities. Run away! The TV has come to life! Look out for Igor! Despite having legs shorter than a pug, Igor somehow built up enough momentum that stopping wasn't an option until he crashed into the legs of a costume reveler, sending them both careening to the ground. Jeez, mm, it's like someone hit me with a fleshy bowling ball. Why, I oughta... Oh, sorry, man. Igor was running for Igor's life. Oh, nice werewolf costume. Uh, Igor, I don't think that's a costume. It wasn't. After getting to his feet, the costume reveler stood six foot plus tall, and judging by the razor sharp fangs he bore at our trio of dolts, he seemed very intent on making a quick snack out of the three foot tall hunchback. Please, Mr. Wolfman, <laughs> don't eat him. I'm sure he's got plenty of diseases, some which haven't been classified yet. Plus, uh, the last thing I want to do is go through hiring another Igor. This show's not big enough to get a sponsorship from Zip Recruiter, and it's impossible to find good help in Matsylvania. Trust you me. Wait, Matsylvania? Hold on a minute. Are you Monster Matt Patterson? Oh, am I? <clears throat> Ghoul Morning Maniacs! <laughs> yes, that's it. That's right. It is I, your fiend, yours really, Monster Matt Patterson, the man of a thousand bad monster jokes hailing all the way from Pennsylvania. And hey yo to you, sitting in the corner of the tomb, you freaky thing, you. <laughs> hey, when he's square dancing, Godzilla likes to salamander right. <laughs> and when the manster squares, he's the two-head couple. <laughs> hey, Quasimodo takes the right-hand position, making him the bell. He peels in delight. <laughs> now, what do you get by crossing Huey Lewis and the news with a Viennese waltz? American Psycho Smooth. Look it up if you don't know. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> hey, cut it out. Michael Myers, Jason and Voorhees, and Freddy Krueger are all fighting. Ah, they just want to be the choreographer. <laughs> now I gotta ax you which Cenobite wants to win Dancing with the Stars? Dr. Cha Cha Chanard. <laughs> you know, Ash from Evil Dead, that plucky fellow, is not willing to try the I stole your soul, sir, dance. So, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Now, what do you call a robot dance? The X Mac in arena <laughs> and finally your final punishment you fiends wolfman has been studying ballet he's really fond of the adagio <laughs> see what i did there no you didn't well anyways yeah i guess wait 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 a minute are you a fan well i wouldn't call myself a fan i do have all his books a couple of his paintings, and every time I hear that Monster Matt Minute on Six Foot Plus, I get his corny jokes stuck inside my head. I just have to bash my skull with a wrench until it stops. Oh, please make it stop. Let me pass up. Grant me this sweet relief of death. Save me from these bad jokes. I mean, I dig what you're doing, man. Um, I'm flattered? I'm shocked. I'm Igor. Oh, and I'm Farmer Smith. Put it there. You're Strange Jason's friend, right? I mean... You won't get him to admit it in a court of law, but yeah, oh yeah. Cool, we were supposed to meet up with him for his Halloween party, but we got, well, sidetracked by a Halloween walking tour. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad you guys were able to join one of those. They're usually sold out by this time of night. Oh, I didn't say we went on a tour. Just then, I'm told, a noxious purple mist began to settle in as a group of 20 to 30 people approached the gang. Leading this troupe of costume tourists was none other than the cosmic vampire horror host known as the Mighty Moloch, leader of the Phantom Creeps. Now, leaving Blackwood Street, which I remind you was named after Algernon Blackwood because he stopped to have a cup of coffee and cheese Danish at the old rustic cafe there back in 1909. Please don't dilly-dally, little boy. Moving on to Stonecross Clearing. Ah yes, this used to be the location of the Stonecross Boarding Home, a pre-Victorian building once thought to be the most haunted building in the entire country. Why it was here where the Rue sisters, Andrea and Alexandria, slit the throat and drank the blood of a wealthy robber baron in 1855, the last of their long line of occult-related murders. A train schedule found inside their room at the Stonecross home led to their capture as they attempted to escape into Canada. Supposedly, the two were hanged and buried in an unmarked grave, but others claim these immortal murderers still live to this day. How dreadful. Oh, in 1927, during the height of Prohibition, Edward Reese inadvertently uses too much lye in making bathtub gin, ultimately poisoning half the town. He's found hanged in his room, quite ghastly, don't you agree? Oh, but perhaps the most famous resident of the Stonecross home was none other than Marcus A. Scarsdale, once highly regarded as a visionary writer of weird fiction. Your Lovecrafts, your Robert Blocks, they all once heralded his work of cosmic horror, grisly murder, and fiendish terrors until they discovered the bloodstains under his carpet and the body parts of missing transients under his bed. Had his stories of sacrifice to shapeless foul gods been more truth than fiction? Sadly, a mysterious fire in his room burned away all of Scarsdale's original manuscripts, as well as Marcus Scarsdale himself. The Stonecross home was rebuilt shortly afterwards. It remains here until its ultimate demolition in 1989. Now, as we'll find in the next three blocks, the blood and gore didn't stop there. <coughs> <coughs> 
Oh, Farmer Smith. What are you doing here? I thought you were in the crowd. About five blocks ago, I stopped off at a bar and got myself a couple of pumpkin-flavored drinks. So kind of you to notice. Oh, my. How long has this... It's almost midnight. Uh, so that concludes this tour. We'll, um, pick up things next year. Happy Halloween. <laughs> the group of misfit tourists, suckered into an impromptu walking tour, quickly dispersed. I just started going and lost track of time. Yeah, you noticed that some silent movie actor used to live here and then and off you went. We were supposed to be at Strange Jason's party hours ago. There's just so much dreadful details here in this imaginary town of his. Dreadful! Yes, that's what I said. You just reminded me. I'm supposed to be scared witless over the horror host that jumped out of my TV screen. Man, 3D televisions have gotten so advanced lately. We already made that joke. <laughs> we're not supposed to know that, Igor. Oh, this was no 3D effect. The three of us were just watching Dreda Scare's movie marathon, and she jumped out of the screen like some kind of projected phantom. Who? Dreda Scare. She's this horror host. Winnetred Aloysius Scarrington, but Dredda Scare for short. Mm, I've never heard of that host before. That's a surprise. You wouldn't happen to have a picture of this Dred, would you? Didn't really snap an Instagram pic as she was looming out of the screen, but I'm sure we can look her up on my phone. As the intern typed the words Dred a Scare into his phone's web browser, suddenly the screen turned green. Is it supposed to do that? The image of Dredda Scare's dance macabre came broadcasting onto the phone. There she is! Wait, why is my phone picking up a TV channel? I didn't click on a live stream. Oh, I like her look. I wonder if she'd like to make a guest appearance at the next Phantom Creep Theater event. Sorry, Dreary, but Dreddy doesn't do second billing. Uh, did she just hear us? Uh, that's not good. But don't be too sad there, you groovy ghoulie. I've got a couple of scary monsters and super creeps that would be happy to play with you. Ever see the seven vampire brides of Frankenstein? I think so. From 1985? That's good, because I hear they made a sequel. The phone in the intern's hand pulsated with a radioactive shade of green, causing him to drop it. The device exploded upon impact with the ground as a burst of green light nearly blinded everyone. When their sight returned, there stood the seven-foot-tall Frankenstein's monster from the aforementioned flick. Ah, uh, I've never seen this movie. Is this Frankenstein one of the friendly ones? <laughs> one of the monster's massive hands suddenly wrapped around the intern's throat. I guess not. <laughs> Don't worry, I got this. Very few times have I witnessed the full strength of Farmer Smith's wolf inside. And this was not one of them, as I wasn't there. But from what I was told, after the Frankenstein monster chucked the intern about 10 feet, he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Farmer Smith. It was a magnificent fright, and an even better fight between Wolfman and Monster, Werewolf and Creature, Lon Chaney Jr. and Boris Karloff. You mean Bela Lugosi. What? 
Oh, the narration that's going on. It said Lon Chaney Jr. fought Boris Karloff, but it was actually Bela Lugosi who portrayed the monster in 1943's Frankenstein Meets the Wolf. What narration? That movie was the first time that monsters from separate Universal films met, practically inventing the idea of a shared universe nearly 70 years before Marvel got into the game. And while audiences didn't really marvel at this movie, they got quite an eye fill when Bale Lugosi and Lon Chaney Jr. reunited for Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in 1948. What narration? It was the second time Bale Lugosi played Count Dracula on screen, and Lon Chaney Jr., who played the famed vampire and son of Dracula, reprised his role as Larry Talbot. It was Glenn Strange who played Frankenstein in this first horror comedy. You know, Bela was supposed to play Frankenstein's creation, but the story behind that is fascinating. Uh, I would love to hear it, but the fight's over. What, already? Hoo-wee! That was better than any kind of fight. He'd seen the UF scream. Yeah! Did you see it when the Wolfman did the thing and then that the, the other thing happened and then he, he did the thing with the claws? Oh my god! Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night might get his ass kicked by a Wolfman when the autumn moon is bright. What happened? They assumed we were goners! Well, at first I thought I bit off a little more than I could chew with old stitches there. I forgot they made him superhuman strongly in that 1985 flick. Then I noticed that when you start talking, he kind of got weaker. Maybe he was just getting bored by what you were saying. I know I was. Very funny. By the end, he was less Frankenstein and more Frankenberry. Ooh, I could go for some of that right now. Think the store's still open? Look! After suffering defeat at the hands of Farmer Smith, the Frankenstein's monster lay crumpled in a heap of humiliation and spare body parts. That is, until he started to disintegrate into a green smoke, evaporating into the cold Halloween night's air. Interesting. This gives me some ideas. That's good, because we're going to need some, and fast. Look over there! The group turned and looked across the public park to see the same familiar green light shining from the phones of the town folks. Like bewitched fireflies buzzing out of the mouth of a corpse-filled swamp, these green lights began to fill the town, as anything with a screen tuned to dread a scare's broadcast. Happy Halloween, my dreadful dreariness. Are you ready for a non-stop frightful night of monsters and more? That's good, because tonight, Halloween never ends! You were saying you had some ideas. Hopefully, ones on how to stop this. Indeed, but we need to consult. Blast it. Where did Dr. Calavaria go? He was right behind me when I started uh, this walking tour. Maybe he decided to take a shift at Leithbridge General. <laughs> He's not that kind of doctor. He's more of a... the kind who got his master's degree in the mystic arts. You couldn't miss him. He's a skull with a turban and a tuxedo. Sounds like he's quite the dapper cadaver. And if he's into all things spells and sorcery, I know exactly where he would be. Follow me, it's not that far from here. The five of them, the intern, Monster Matt Patterson, Igor, Farmer Smith, and the mighty Moloch, quickly headed off in a direction in hopes of finding the esteemed Dr. Calvaria. As they dove into the heart of Lethbridge and into the heart of the monstrous mayhem, they passed an upturned vehicle, the screen of the driver's panel beaming with that same sick green light. As they walked by, it flickered and a picture came on, showing a grinning dread a scare before cutting to a commercial break.
When I'm busy working on my mind-altering drugs in my lab overnight, I don't have time to run out to get food. That's why I'm glad Taco Hell now has a delivery service. Just call any time, night or day, and get food quick. Just call 666-6667. Taco Hell, can I take your order? Hello, Satan. This is Henry Jekyll. Can I have my usual? Frankie, can we stand losing another delivery boy? No! Sorry, Dr. Jekyll, but I'm afraid my staff is short-handed right now, and I can't stand to lose another employee this week. To death. Uh, not by me. How absurd. Send that order over immediately. Now. Bring it now, or I will slaughter your whole family with a dull blade. I'll rape and pillage each and every one of your employees in every franchise across this continent. I'll... Hello? Hello? Taco Hell, now a 24-hour delivery for almost anybody. Or come visit us at our easy-to-find but hard-to-leave location, just past the River Sticks, second cave on your right. <laughs>
होता है led the phantom creeps towards their final destination dr gangrene was driving us in his van towards a dot on his gps i see you got my invitation to this year's party doc while being fashionably late nearly cost us our lives i'm still glad you rsvp'd <laughs> had i known you guys were gonna be serving up a hot dose of spectral radiation i would have stayed home spectral radiation yeah it's the kind of energy that helps mad scientists like yours truly bridge this world into the afterlife if you want to do anything, like bring that creation of yours to life or telephone the dead, you need a strong supply of spectral radiation to do it. Huh. And without me becoming Dr. Exposition, I can safely say that your town, buddy, is swimming in it. On my way over, my Lux Incapacitator went crazy. I've never seen readings like this before. What are you saying? No, really? What the hell are you saying? What's a Lux Incapacitator? The doc held up his digital instrument that he used earlier. Think sonic screwdriver meets tricorder meets Ziggy from Quantum Leap. If you got all those references, congratulations. You're a wonderfully huge nerd, but you really had to be in order to be listening to this, right? Something in this town is broadcasting a massive amount of spectral radiation, like the amount you'd need to open the Hellmouth summon an army of zombies, or make a decent modern remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. That's impossible! It's happening, you freaky little floaty ghoul guy. When I showed up at your party, the readings had spiked through the roof. I figured it had to do with the whole building glowing green. So, instead of going through the front door, I thought it would be better to sneak in. That would explain the whole window shattering. Well, I also wanted to have a cool entrance. I mean, if you're going to a party, you got to have a cool entrance. So, this spectral radiation, is that why Dread Scare is somehow able to transform people into those B-movie monsters found at the bottom of the value bin at our local mom-and-pop video store? Maybe. Spectral energy really doesn't do stuff like that. 
It's just kind of harmless background radiation on those mad science spectrums. I'm not exactly sure how this is happening. Or frankly, what even is going on around here. Don't worry, nobody knows exactly what's going on. That's right, I've been part of these Halloween specials for four years now. And I still have no clue as to what's going on. Shush. So where are we going, Doctor? Science can only tell us so much when you're dealing with spectral radiation. So, I found a place that might give us some answers. And that place is... Balthazar's Pub of Peculiarities, Lethbridge's premier locale for all things dark, mystical, and incomprehensible. A curious name. Well, it used to be called Calliope's Credenza of Curiosities, but it has a new owner who wanted to draw in the hipster occultists, so they went with a different motif. And with mojitos. Oh, they went with mojitos. You really should try one. Oh, is the bar still open? I'm parched. Do you thirst for forbidden knowledge? A burst of smoke, a crack of thunder, a flash of mysterious light, and out walked Dr. Calvaria, the cranial cipher, the skeletonic psychic, the dapper cadaver, and mystic master of the divine arts, who happened to be drinking a margarita. Hey, I know that guy. Dr. Calvaria, what are you doing here? Oh, I was just having a drink of forbidden knowledge. And this margarita, mostly the margarita, but also the forbidden knowledge. Forbidden knowledge, eh? Look, maniacs, ask anyone and they'll tell you that I'm not that handy with Knowledge that everyone knows. It's true. He is some kind of numbskull. Uh, no offense, Dr. Calvaria. None taken. Wait, so you've been drinking alone in the shop the whole time? How dare you suggest such a thing? Why, Gregory has been here with me as well. The flapping sounds of bat wings filled the room as everyone looked up to see a bat with a man's head or a human head with a bat's body. Either way you slice it, this moon bat was sporting a snazzy pair of hypno-glasses. Upon landing, we all watched as the wings transformed into a smoking jacket and the bat body transmogrified into a human-sized DJ, perfect for luau's, frat rock parties, and spooky weddings. There, Gregory. Tell them. Tell them how you've been by my side as I've been consulting the tomes of magic and ancient secrets here inside this establishment. Why? They have such mystic knowledge and knowledge of mixes. Seriously, you should try a cocktail. See? From out of the mouth of babes. Uh, okay, while you all pour over tomes of secrets, Igor and I are going to go pour ourselves a drink. Bye-bye. Igor wants a frozen zombie. Go watch Dead Snow, you cretin. Oh wait, you mean the drink. Huh, that sounds pretty good. By the houndtooth of Nilbogobog. That sounds delicious. Gregory, please escort them to the back and bring me back one. The three of them headed towards the bar. Huh, <laughs> it's a good thing Gregory's gone. He never shuts up, that one. Do you have to deal with that monster Matt and Igor every year? Yeah, it's not as bad as you think. Wait, how do we know Dr. Calvario was here? I didn't. I don't even know who this guy is. I was just coming here because if there's anything that can help us figure out how to stop Dredda Scare, it would be in here. 
So I should ask, what are you doing here, Dr. Calvario? Well, while I was going along with your impromptu walking tour, I felt this deep stirring inside my soul. It was... The psychic forces beckoning you to answer them? Boredom. Hey. As we passed by a random, inconspicuous storefront, I had a vision... Of the horrors that would unfold before us tonight? Of a sign that read, Two for one drinks until 8 p.m. I walked in, and it turned out this bar was also an occult bookstore. I've been perusing these ancient texts while getting happily stewed. So you've been getting blotto while the world outside has turned into a B-movie monster mash? What are you talking about? How could you not notice that Halloween has gone to hell, Doctor? Wait a minute. No, there's no way he can know what's going on. Look around. There's no screens in here. No TVs or anything. I don't see a television or a computer. Like, like, look over there. They have an old-timey cash register instead of those iPad thingies that are at all the coffee shops and... My favorite taco place. Of course they do. You think a square reader in here would go with the aesthetic? You're not going to be able to buy a mogwai or a monkey's paw with PayPal here. Plus, you have to put your cell phone into one of those bottomless lockers up front. So do you know what's going on outside right now? Huh. Let me consult the spirits. By the great Garlu. Grant me sight. Grant me wisdom! The mystical maestro, the grinning skull of the spirit world, pressed one hand against his temple. His eyes rolled into the back of his skull as a low humming filled the room. I see. I see. I see. Uh-oh. Uh-oh? Yep, uh-oh. Say, Moloch, you wouldn't happen to have the keys to the bucket of blood, would ya? What, the outer space, out of time, pulmonary vessel, aka the primary mode of transport for the phantom creeps? I do. Why? Uh, I need to go back and, uh, uh, check something. I think I left my amulet of all-knowing back there, and I feel a little scatterbrained without it. You wouldn't happen to be planning on ditching town after seeing a horrible vision of the future, would you? Please, Moloch. I would never do that. Oh, good. It's a horrible present that makes me want to get the hell out of here. You guys don't know what's going on out there, do you? I might have a clue. It was at this point that the night got really, really complicated. Who are you? Dr. Gangrene, Physician of Fright. And you? I am the mighty Moloch, master of the mysterious and leader of the Phantom Creeps. See? I told you. The big dummy always has a flair for the dramatic. Eck. Intern. Boss. Beer. Eck. Intern. Boss. Beer. Eck. Intern. Boss. Beer. Rocky. Enough. We must figure out what's going on with your spectral radiation levels and why this town is turning into a sequel to Monster Brawl out there. I figured that science only knows so much, so it's up to magic to provide some answers. I think he means you, Dr. Calvaria. Uh, who? Uh, what? Uh, me? Now? I think this means we're going to do some hoo-doo, voodoo, sciencey, wincey type of stuff. You want to get a drink, Echo Buddy? I thought you would never ask. Really, I didn't think we were that close. But you did rig me up to be a flamethrower that one year, so you do owe me a drink. After a quick introduction of the two groups and a quick trip to the bar, we relocated to the part of the shop that could hold us all. Except, 
Eck, Craig, Monster Matt, and Igor who decided to run up a tab. Spectral energy? I don't see how that could explain the summonings. It sounds like this Dreade scare is some kind of warlock or sorceress or wizard who's transmuting people into 80s horror monsters. Those kinds of spells are a different school of magic. Maybe she flunked out of one of those schools. I am going to banish you to the detention dimension. If you do not, watch it, Buster. I don't think she's showing it. I do hear thems up later in the night. They, they, they are up next. No, it's they sometimes come back after them, but they isn't after it. What's it? Third base! Is where you three are going to be buried if we don't figure out why the spectral radiation levels keep rising. The Lux Incapacitator says they keep going through the roof. Plus, look at this. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking at, Doc. The radiation levels are centralized around the town instead of floating harmlessly away into the rest of the area. Plus, it's moving in a circular motion like a storm. Something is generating the radiation and something else is keeping it from leaving Lethbridge. Okay, okay, okay. We have a massive amount of spectral what's-it. A demented dancer somehow transforming partygoers into her own personal midnight movie marathon. How do we stop it? It just does not make sense. Spectral radiation is predominantly used for necromancy or bringing dead things back to life. No living spellcaster has really been able to master it to do anything other than that. <laughs> All noise suddenly stopped in that shop of bizarre novelties as we looked around for the source of that foreboding giggle. Suddenly a green flash appeared across Dr. Gangreen's device. It's coming from his phone? Technically, it's a Lux Inco. The device exploded with the good doctor pulling his hand away at the last second, but the blast threw him across the room into an old bookshelf. As papers were sent flying throughout the shop, a haze of green smoky mist flowed out of the incapacitator's busted screen. We watched as a shadowed figure emerged from the fog, the unmistakable shape. It was indeed Count Geiger, the radioactive Dracula. As the glowing eyes of the toxic terror bore down on us, we saw the mist swirl and form a familiar face, that of our host, Dread Scare. Now, now, what's this? No one watching my movie marathon? Gasp! What about my Nielsen rating? <laughs> Say, why aren't you back home at your little friend's apartment watching that nice brand new television of his? Uh... I think we've had enough TV for one night. I will tell you when you've had enough. Though, my friend the Count was very upset that you didn't see the ending to his movie, so I figured I would let him show you in person. Uh, I, I don't... How does Radioactive Dracula Part 2 end? Uh, everybody dies. Oh. Now, I would hate to lose so many viewers, but it seems you're up to no good. The last thing my audience needs is for you to end our movie marathon. Though once everything's complete in an hour or so, I'll be on the air. Forever! <laughs> I'll be the number one show in the entire state! And then we're getting syndicated, baby! We watched as the Count, oozing with toxic slime, take a step forward. Now be a good bunch of dreadful drearies and let the count here suck all your blood. 
Maybe I might bring you back as the seven vampiric brides of Frankenstein. Oh, wait. You killed him. Thanks for that. Uh, Farmer Smith, think you can take tall, dark, and carcinogenic here? Not without a hazmat suit. Haven't you seen Radioactive Dracula 4? He's like a three-mile island in a three-piece suit. Well, well, you were able to handle Frankenstein before. <laughs> I think Werewolf here is going to run home with his tail between his legs. What about you, Dr. Calvaria? Don't you have a magic spell that can stop him? We gazed in shock as the cultic cadaver, the supernatural skeletal sorcerer, began to summon his own mandalas of energy. By the hands of... Oh, Malev, I command you to put it there. Oops, that spell slipped through your fingers. He's still slowly coming towards us. I forgot how he's more of a creeping terror than a terrifying stalker. By the wondrous warblings of Willy Mantic. Maybe you should have chanted Pistols Waven New Haven instead. It's not working. Don't you have like a magic wand that can help? Or a wizard staff? I don't have a wizard staff, but I do have a Blicken staff. Come forth! Out of thin air, Dr. Calvaria had summoned a man holding a colored pencil and a sketch pad. I'm Stephen Blickenstaff. Happy Halloween. Oh, hey, Dr. Calvaria. Steven, good to see you. Uh, we have a problem. If you could help. Oh, Count Geiger, we meet again. With bursts of purple and yellow energy popping off his finger guns with every pew pew, Steven Blickenstaff, renowned artist and member of the radioactive band Atomic Mosquitoes, attacked Count Geiger, saving the day. Until the Count reared back and vomited up a gallon of toxic waste right into his face. Oh my god! He just killed renowned artist Stephen Blickenstaff. Remember to follow Stephen Blickenstaff on Facebook and Instagram and buy the new Atomic Mosquitoes album. We all watched in terror as Stephen Blickenstaff, creator of the Bad Music for Bad People cover art, a design that has been tattooed on at least three if not four people involved in this Halloween special disintegrated into a pile of goo. Oh man, where am I going to get my creepy artwork now? Oh, well, I hear Donald David's art is snazzy and spooky. You can go to ddavidillustrations.dia... Just search for Donald David Illustrator. Anyway, he's perfect for all your horror and non-horror art needs. <laughs> but that's just uh, what I heard. Ugh, oh man, what did I miss? What's this pile of slop and bones doing here? It kind of looks like a Stephen Blickenstaff painting. Well, uh... Well, we're about to die by radioactive vampire. However, you did miss the coolest flesh-melting disintegration this side of a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie. You know, the director of Radioactive Dracula Part 2 tried to get Herschel Gordon Lewis to come out of retirement and produce the movie. But by the mid-80s, he had retired from filmmaking to pursue a successful career as a copywriter. Count Geiger halted in his approach and moaned. That's right. In fact, you can keep an eye out for this movie, particularly in the diner scene. They reference an eye for an eye, the 1967 lost movie that was never completed. It was his loving homage to the movie's own missed 
opportunity. The vampire moaned yet again, causing Dreddy's face to look very, very worried. Hey, hey, stop! I'm the only horror host here. I don't need competition. What are you doing to my beautiful vampire? Geiger wasn't looking too good. His radioactive glow had dimmed and his flesh started to bubble like overcooked Velveeta cheese. His eyes bulged and one of his fangs dropped out of his socket. Oh, did you know the three main special effects wizards on the film, Louis Shelvac, Sean Francis, and Michael Beatty, would go on to work on not just the rest of the Radioactive Dracula sequels, but in films like Brooklyn Rat, Headbanger, and The Crud. I met them at Chiller one year. They told me the, how they came up with their own recipe for toxic waste and that was both edible and made for a makeshift mouthwash that killed up to 98% of the bacteria that causes gingivitis. Oh, gingivitis, remember her? She could turn on the whole world with her smile. We haven't seen her since she made the mistake of visiting that dentist convention. Oh, I hope your friend is doing well. Last I heard, she was feeling a bit down in the mouth. Fangs for the concern. No! No! What have you done? Like bursting an overgrown zit and just as disgusting, the radioactive Dracula exploded like someone burst a balloon filled with shaving cream and guacamole. Thankfully, none of the exploding bits got on any of the expensive objects for sale inside the store. Instead, it covered Moloch, Farmer Smith, and Dr. Gangrene. The force of the explosion was enough to send the rest of us flying, scattering more papers as yet another bookshelf seemingly exploded upon impact. I ended upside down and watched as a piece of yellowing newspaper slowly floated down and draped across my face. I froze at what I saw. Oh, hey, hey, guys. That mist is clearing up and that creepy lady's face is gone. Oh, and good news. My drink wasn't spilled in the explosion. Hey, great job taking care of that radioactive vampire. He sure did go down for the count. Oh, I didn't know they sold drums here. Can someone explain to me... How did you guys blow up Count Geiger back there? Well, like, well, you just started talking, and it seemed to make him explode. Well, we just shared relevant facts about the movie. While offering insightful commentary. While making a few bad puns. You know, you know horror, horror hosting. hosting. Wait a minute. What were you guys doing while I, the brave and strong werewolf, took on Frankenstein? Yeah, the space vampire friend of yours went on about Bela Lugosi or something. I kind of zoned out. So, he was horror hosting my 12 round fight with Fright Tyson, was he? Yeah, wait, does horror hosting do something to these monsters? Horror hosts are known for making scary movies less intimidating and for making bad movies more tolerable. It's kind of what we do. Perhaps horror hosts are innately tuned to a frequency that cancels out spectral energy. We must have generated these zapping electrical energies or Zachary's for short, disrupting the special composition of Dread A Scares Minions. So, we need to go around and horror host the entire town? That's going to be impossible! Impossible? You're currently covered in five inches of explosive radioactive vampire. Impossible is everything right now. Ugh, I need a towel. I need a bath. I need a drink. I need your car. What? Dr. Calvaria, you said that no living spellcaster has been able to do anything with spectral radiation, correct? Uh, yeah. 
Why? Look at this. I held up the sheet of newspaper, a yellowed copy of the Lethbridge Gazette, dated November 1st, 1989. The full-page article featured a giant black-and-white picture of the deceased. Wait a minute! I recognize her. That's Dreda Scare! Winifred Austin Kimball, one-time television personality, killed in Halloween car accident outside now-defunct television station. Guys, guys, I think Winifred Aloysius Scarrington, the Dreda Scare that has unleashed this Halloween hootenanny on our town is... A ghost. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Not after all, I calculated as much. After all, the only way to generate right. this amount I mean, I guess of it's not that shocking. It does remind me of this one haunted in the back of Blood Ridge, a ghastly affair. Wait, wait, wait. So, we know what she is. Do we know how to stop her now? Exorcism? Or cancellation. So what's the quickest way to get canceled in 2018? Be a horror host. <laughs> Wait, this gives me an idea. Dr. Calvaria, do you have enough juice for one more spell? Oh, let me check. <laughs> yep, I'm good. What? I think it's time to call in some reinforcements. Halloween. Tonight is Halloween. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Tonight is Halloween. Owls and freaks. Pumpkins and treats. Skeletons go clickety clickety quack. Bats and goons. Witches on brooms. It's skeletons Halloween.
nauseous night I soared through the pools of rancid gore Through the sewer pipes I abhor To the horror horror To the hall where vampires scream Happy Halloween From the cold and ancient graves From the coffins and the caves From the rocks and werewolf nests Come the gasping guests Gonna have a nightmare dream Happy Halloween So little witch, we've got a date You better put your head on straight Jump on your broom, don't be late This is our night to celebrate Through the oozing quicksand swamp Do the bloody buddy stomp Do the brand new twist and itch With the wicked witch Everybody make the scene Happy Halloween, Phil Oh, isn't this a gruesome party? Everybody's here, even the werewolf For the sweet night we wait all year Now don't you try to disappear I'll open up your coffin, dear Manos will tell that you're still here Some lizard lunch Gonna drink some living punch Gonna dance until we're dead Hit me on the head Hang my heart and split my spleen Happy Halloween Everybody make the scene After a laundry incantation cleaned up those covered in the remnants of Count Geiger, and Monster Matt Patterson, Igor, and Ek the Ghoul were dragged away from the bar in the back of Balthazar's Pub of Peculiarities, we piled into Dr. Gangreen's van. To the center of town. Everywhere we looked, giant glowing green monsters from the deepest depths of B-movie obscurity rampaged across Lethbridge. The big-headed invaders of Mars vs. Skate Punks terrorized a gang of revelers who made the mistake of dressing up as the gang from Return of the Living Dead. We sped past a 12-foot-tall cannibal clown from the movie of the same name. More than once, we had to swerve out of the way of Vincent from Scream for Your Life, underrated movie, who attacked us with his hook hand. After dodging the gaze of the Medusa women, evading a pack of mutants straight out of toxic sewer urchins, and barely hitting Ursula, the demented lunch lady from Camp Dead, we finally made it to England Park in the middle of Lethbridge. Just as I thought, the center of the spectral energy storm is right overhead. Funny, I expected a giant beam blasting up into the sky. You said that the first time you saw Dread A Scare was when you turned on your television that was rebuilt with weird Romanian parts, right? Yeah, like we said while that last batch of songs played, I turned on my TV and there she was. I think your friend's attempt at saving you money inadvertently created a device that generated enough spectral energy to open the portal to the other world, allowing Dreddy in. If that's true, you need to get back to your one-bedroom apartment and turn that TV off. Uh, okay. I wish you would have said that earlier because you could have just dropped me off. We passed it like 10 minutes ago. No time. Instead, take the van, Monster Matt, and Igor. 
Strange Jason and King Chaos will proceed with the plan to disable the signal at KRPT. So Dr. Gangrene, what are you, the Mighty Moloch, Farmer Smith, Ek the Ghoul, DJ Gregory, and Dr. Calvaria going to do in the meantime? We're gonna save Halloween! We watched as the trio got into the van and drove away before Craig and I headed off for KRPT. I'm told that shortly after we left, Dr. Gangrene hooked up Moloch Eck, Farmer Smith, and Dr. Calvaria to a series of cables that were connected to a big metal block. This isn't a sex thing, is it? If you're not a geek with Elvira's physique, there's no way you're getting laid as a horror host, buddy. Now, to combat these B-movie monsters, we need a lot of horror hosts here and fast. How do you propose that? The next Horror Hound weekend won't be for months! Simple. The machine reads the natural Zachary frequencies coming from your bodies and will search for anyone with a similar reading within the country. Dr. Calvario will then summon them here to help. Science hooks them and magic reels them in. Genius, right? Oh, you're just fishing for a compliment now, Doc. Uh, you sure this is going to work? Certainly. Or... It'll fry our brains until they're sunny side up. You're yoking, right? Ugh, let's just do this already. Throw the switch! Now, Calvaria. As fingers of electricity crawled along the bodies of the Phantom Creeps, Dr. Calvaria waved his hands, generating mystic energy that, that intertwined with the power of gangrene science. Madness seemed to fill both doctors' eyes as the physician of fright began to laugh. <laughs> the hoary hosts of horror guards. And the dial of Donny Asmodea. I want my Fiend TV! The twisted marriage of mad science and magic had worked! Gangrene's device, fueled by Calvaria's magic, somehow had pierced through the looming cloud of green spectral energy, sending out a distress signal for all that would help. SOS. As soon as the switch was thrown, swirling portals of orange and purple energy appeared throughout the city of Lethbridge, filling the Halloween night with the eerie glow of supernatural pumpkin light. As green-tinted ghoulies terrorized the townfolk, horror hosts of all shape, size, and syndication arrived in the nick of time! Look! Over there! Over at Lamoro Cinemas, the horribly handsome host Uncle Eerie of Uncle Eerie's Shiver Show appeared through a portal positioned precariously on top of the marquee. The crowd had fled from the theater as the Midnight Monster movie suddenly became a little too 3D for the audience's liking. Uncle Eerie, with his dapper mustache and entrancing eye patch, surveyed the damage as a hairy, ape-like monster did quite a number on an upturned Subaru. Well, pluck my feathers and call me cold turkey. This ain't the Shiver Shack. Uh-oh. Something tells me that's not my old pal Swampy Carl neither, despite the passing resemblance. Hey, wait a minute. I recognize that gate ape. Well, that's Bogface from the movie Blood Monster of Blackwood Swamp. Well, I'll be. I haven't seen that film in ages. And for good reason, too. Yuck. Say, uh, Boggy Boy. Hey, hey, Bogarino. Bo yeah, over here. Say, Boggy, let me ask you something. Did you know that your movie was supposed to have the same ending as Jaws? Except for, well, uh, the filmmakers just ran out of money. So instead, we got that boring and anticlimactic ending, where the park ranger just pulls out a pistol and shoots y'all. You remember that? As the half-ape, half-gator monster gazed upwards, its maw opened in a frightful howl, Uncle Eerie 
calmly reached into his dress jacket to produce a lit bundle of dynamite. Well, today's their lucky day, because they're about to get the ending they always wanted. Fire in the hole! Ooh, gruesome. Meanwhile, at the Blood in Your Eye Bar and Grill, a top-hatted figure emerges through a portal over by the jukebox as it belts out horror surf to the empty and partially demolished room. Lord Bloodraw, the host of Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Theater, steps from the mystic portal and looks about curiously. Holy Lugosi! This is the Blood in Your Eye Bar and Grill! Ha <laughs> ha! This must be Leatherbridge. Oh, it's Lethbridge. It rhymes with Deathbridge, but we'll forgive him for this. Well, I haven't been here since that monster movie marathon at the Lamoureux three years ago. Ooh, what happened here? Tables and chairs are broken, the bar is busted. It looks like Tor Johnson threw a fit in here after an all-night Swedish meatball binge. <laughs> Hello, my lords and ladies. Is anyone here? Did I miss Happy Hour? Just then, a spandex-clad corpse with a magnificent mane of neon green hair comes tearing through the worn, beer-soaked curtains of the small bandstand. It holds a flaming, three-necked guitar, each neck ending in a hideous serpent's head. The High Lord of Geekdom recognizes this creature immediately. For the love of Karloff, it's Skid Skullrot! Ha-ha! <laughs> From that late 80s schlocker, what was it called? Oh. The glam rock ghoul. I remember now. He was the lead singer of that over-the-hill hair band, Crepitus. On tour in New Orleans, he seduced and jilted a voodoo priestess who cursed him to live eternally, carrying that burning snake-necked guitar. And, and if he touches you, your hair turns bright green, grows, comes to life, and strangles you. <laughs> oh, what a ridiculous movie. Shot in three days in the director's mother's basement. Well, enough exposition, time for action! Hey, Skids, I don't like the way you redecorated the place! Eat Zachary's guitar plucker! And, uh, I did say plucker. This is a family show. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was more gruesome than the end of Trick or Treat or that one time Gene Simmons decided it was a good idea to get dressed up in drag. What do we have next? Oh, wonderful. They brought their own narrator. I'm going to go on break. A silent evening at the Quiet Side Cemetery. Interrupted by terror during the space continuum. Abruptly delivering Oliver, the caretaker Collins, and Dr. Deacon Bell. Well, this is a fine mess you got us into again, Doctor. It wasn't me this time. And neither is that Chet Donnelly-looking mummy over there. Well, I don't care what type of weird science this is. He's getting the shovel. Ugh. Looks like you just made him angry. Here, how do you like some super acid? Now it just looks like you made him mad. Let's retreat to the groundskeeper's shed. What could possibly be in here? Well, how about this? What, this old thing? Are you kidding me? This is an Ashley. They start every time. 
Mummy, come to Papa. I'm still on my coffee break. Speaking of which, ah, Bubba Gosi and his friend Jimmy are about to find that horror comes inside Venti this Halloween. Oh man, what a wild ride! Jimmy, what was that? I haven't felt like that since that atomic bomb sent me flying in that refrigerator. That was Indiana Jones, you idiot. Oh right, sorry my head's still a little fuzzy. Say, where are we, anyway? Looks like the Metropolis area. That's strange. First we're at home, doing the Creature Feature Shock Theater Horror Show... show. And now we're in the middle of a city. Where are all the creeps? I don't know. Perhaps we should go looking about. Alright, let's go. Frida Florentine, Jimmy, look! Oh, God, what is that? That's the caffeine. The caffeine? Yeah, you know, the giant coffee monster created by Dr. Java at Scarbucks. Scarbucks? Yeah, in Seattle. Remember, it took over Templeton University during final exams. It's turned everybody in the city into jittery zombies. We gotta do something. Oh, God, the terror. These people need sleep, Jimmy. I got an idea. I'll be right back. Bubba? Please don't leave me. Bubba? I'm only a skull. Bubba? Jimmy's scared. Jimmy's scared. Oh, the caffeine's gonna get me next. I just don't. All right, I'm back. I'm back. There's only one thing to combat a giant coffee monster. Teenaged white girls. Get them, girls. Oh, Bubba, it's working. It's working. He's, he's being destroyed. He's dying. He's no more. What did you do? I hijacked a school bus full of cheerleaders on their way to an invitational. I promised them free coffee. <laughs> Wasn't that a great idea? Just another one in the books for old Bubba Lugosi. Now that was a bit of refreshing carnage, wasn't it? Now let's see. In an affluent neighborhood of Lethbridge, yes, even fictional cities can't stave off the effect of gentrification. A portal opened up, and a blue-skinned ghoul, dressed in a suit and red bow tie, tumbled out. Oh, where, where am I? And, well, I'll leave the rest for you to imagine. Uncle Spooky, I seem to have woken up in some bright, well-manicured neighborhood. I don't know if I like it. What? Those little children over there with... Oh, wait a minute. I recognize those... Those hellspawn. Those are the children from Satan's stay-at-home housewives. They're going to cause quite a ruckus. I better do what I can to defeat them. Hey, kids. Over here. Yes. Would you like some candy? <laughs> yes, yes. Eat the candy. Yes. No, no. No, no. It's crunchy like glass. But of course it's not glass. <laughs> yes. Eat it. Eat it. <laughs> 
Ugh, I guess he's called Uncle Spooky for a reason. I think my favorite thing about disposing of a child's body is how easily it fits in a small kitchen body bag. I'm garbage bag. <laughs> and it's got the little tie-up. Makes it super easy. There you go. Cleaning, no fuss. Satan's stay-at-home mom's spawn have been defeated. Remember how we were told not to take candy from strangers? That's why. Those were demon children, not real ones. Just a disclaimer there. Don't want to get anyone upset. Now let's see. Oh yes. Over at Embalmer Ted's, Lethbridge's Tiki Bar and 24-Hour Buffet, the bartenders were serving a different type of clientele. 21 to 30 hairy weasel-like creatures with sickle-like claws were trashing the place. Some were playing five-finger fillet with the bar back's left hand, while others had gotten to the top-shelf collection of expensive liqueurs. A trio of these tiny terrors were laughing as they ransacked the jukebox, playing a bunch of imported surf music. It seemed as if the place would be lost to this vermin infestation when... Happy Halloween! In walked the undead dame, Aurora Gorealis. I see you all do happy hour a little differently around here. I didn't know we were recreating that long and rightfully forgotten Hawaiian horror classic Mai Tai Kamatachi. But anything can happen on All Hallows Eve. Yes, the Mai Tai Kamai Tai Chi. Ancient Japanese demon weasels with sickles for claws, as seen in Six Foot Plus episode 224, Yokai Noki no Agogo. Hey, may I continue? Oh, yes, yes, sorry, excuse me. As I was saying, when I, Aurora Gorealis, host Shock Tale Hour at the Golden West Cafe, we do things a bit differently. We don't spill our drinks, we make sure to tip the bartender and the only evil Japanese spirits we allow in are those bottled and aged for flavor. The room full of, well, sickle weasels fell silent upon her entrance, but the chittering started to pick up, especially when Aurora picked up one of the few drinks that wasn't covered in, well, weasel hair. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding on that last part. All are welcome at Shocktail Hour, so long as you Behave. With one graceful swat of her hand, Aurora sent one of the Kamaitachis flying across the room. Suddenly, the 21 to 30 of its kin turned all their attention and knives towards the hostess. I liked you better in that trashy movie of yours. At least you were portrayed by puppets. Here you look like some bad CGI. Now... I don't think they have a Tori here in this little town, and I remember they sent you back to the spirit world with a magic spell. The only magic I know is rock and roll, and... Why, isn't it lucky that I brought along a rock and roll band with me? As if on cue, the door to the bar burst open, and in came the green-faced garage rockers, the Primitive Finks. Get em, boys. As the group decided to rock out to the title track of their brand new album, Cave Party, the Kamaitachi attempted to cover their ears, but they were too late. Each of them began to burst, exploding into a puff of claw and fur. The bar would be left a mess, but at least most of the alcohol would be saved. That's what happens to those who try and 
weasel out of a bar tab. Meanwhile, as that was going on... Out of all the mysterious portals that Mr. Lobo has ever walked through, that one was perhaps the swirliest. Now, what is this place? Mr. Lobo, the debonair host of Cinema Insomnia and head of OSI 74, emerged from the portal to find himself in the Lethbridge Public Library. Oh. So that's where Mr. Lobo is. Thanks for the narration. Great Caesar's coat! What was that? After adjusting his tie and examining the area, Mr. Lobo slowly began investigating the empty library. It should have been full of townsfolk who signed up for the yearly Spooky Story Sleepover. But instead of discovering readers eager to listen to the next page-turning terror, all Mr. Lobo found were abandoned sleeping bags, spilled candy buckets, and discarded Goosebumps books until... Loud gasp! Mr. Lobo recognizes that beast. A quivering mass of insectoid amphibious flesh pulsated in a corner of the library's main hall. This giant humanoid creature was covered in thick black fibers akin to a tarantula, yet it seemed to cower as six of the creature's eight massive arms raised giant claws to its face, as if to cover each of its glowing red eyes. Ryan Shubgoth, the flesh-eating great old one from 1989's The Horror of Yig, a movie loosely based on Lovecraft's work. So loosely based that Yig doesn't even appear in it. But you do. Wait. Why are you... Are you crying? Mr. Lobo approached the quivering mass to see that the beast was indeed afraid. At its feet lay an opened, upturned book. And the cinema insomnia host flipped it over to see... Uh, more scary stories to tell in the dark. No wonder you're scared. That would frighten old Cthulhu himself. Now, there, there, look, it's going to be all right. On Cinema Insomnia, we have a saying. They're not bad movies, just misunderstood. And you're just a misunderstood, scary ancient god from another time before man, aren't you? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Mr. Lobo has an idea. How about we turn on a light, get some of that leftover candy, find ourselves some Splat the Cat books? Or maybe Frankenstein makes a sandwich? One fish, two fish, dead fish, grew fish? Horton hatches the xenomorph? Oh, oh, did you know that Fred Gwynn, the actor that played Herman Munster on The Munsters, had a series of illustrated children's books all based on puns? Yes. Yes, I, I think we should read one of those. What do you think? Uh -huh. They don't all have to end in violence, folks. As Mr. Lobo and Ryan decided to catch up on some reading, there was some more mayhem going on around town. What is this audacity? High upon the top of Lethbridge Town Hall, the tallest building within the city, a fiendish figure emerged from the shadows to gaze down at the carnage and disarray. It was the malevolent maestro, the cadaverous conductor, the sinister sculptor of satanic symphonic sound known as Decomposer of the Phantom Creeps. Such agony. 
Such fear, such pure dementia unleashed upon this Halloween night. And you didn't commission me, decomposer of the phantom creeps, to score this frightful devil's night. The nerve, this display of macabre monstrosity is not worthy of my gangrenous genius. But to think of some other fool filling your ears with the music of the night while these horror hosts banish these B-movie rejects. Why, that makes me want to roll over in my own grave. I summon force my nightmares. One of Game Green's portals opened up behind Decomposer, and through it came his Nightmare Machine, a malicious-looking construct that seemed one part pipe organ, one part Tesla coil, one part Moog synthesizer, and one part Mother's Bob fever dream. With his decaying fingers pressed down on the keys made of human bone, the mad musical genius began to play! The three had to walk about half a block, because despite the chaos of having the town transformed into a knockoff of Monster Squad, they still couldn't find a parking spot near his apartment. Seriously, I know I moved into the trendy neighborhood of Lilyburg, but come on! Are we sure we want to do this? I mean, can't we just call the cops? You know, the po-po? Half of the police force has been turned into sequels to Frankencop, and, and the other half has their handfuls with all the chaos. We just need to go in there, turn off the TV, and then get out. Igor doesn't think that's going to be that easy. What makes you say that? Take a look. As the three rounded the corner, they saw it. The intern's entire apartment building was glowing with that familiar shade of radioactive green. As they approached the building, the light pulsed with the intensity the strongest on the second floor east unit, the one belonging to our beloved intern. Ah, crud. I hope you weren't expecting to get your security deposit back. Mm, Igor could start the fire? Maybe burn down the whole building. That'll turn off the TV and we won't have to step inside. No, that's where all my stuff is. Plus, I don't want to move back in with my parents. Look, we're just going to have to brave this out and go in there. It can't be that bad, right? Mm. Okay, well, good luck with that. Yeah, it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> hey, get back here. We're all doing this. If we don't stop Dread of Scare, that means Halloween lasts forever. That means we'll have to do a six-foot-plus Halloween adventure every day. No more regular episodes, and that means no more Monster Map Minutes. Uh, that means no more bad monster jokes. No more punishments or rants and rhymes. Mm, now that you say it, that does sound like a good thing. You don't. If there are no more, more Monster Map Minutes, that means no more new haha horror books. And how do you think I afford your salary, Igor? Not your salary, your salary. Uh, no one's getting paid for these Halloween adventures anyways. Oh, no. 
Igor just became upwardly mobile. Fine, let's do this. I mean... Alright, alright, let's... Let's get going. I wonder how the boss is doing. It was at that moment Craig and I were looking at a dingy, one-floor building in the rundown part of town. A dirty street light flickered its pale orange light down onto the sidewalk in front of what used to be the recording studio for K-RPT, Lethbridge Channel 13. A cold October breeze passed by, bristling the overgrown grass. Are you sure we're at the place? Well, this is the address listed in the obituary. It says she died right outside, probably on the spot where we're currently standing. Now that I think about it. Any other day I would be worried of being cursed, but considering I've seen my favorite corner of Hollywood video come to life tonight and try not to kill me, getting jinxed for standing on a dead woman's spot is the last of my concerns, I assure you. As we gazed at the boarded up building, a flash of green light peered through the cracks. The sound of Dreddy's laugh echoed and a flock of glow-in-the-dark bats flew overhead. Needless to say, we found the place. Well, there goes my doubts. So what exactly are we gonna do when we get inside? Haven't really thought that far. Stuff usually just happens to help us get through this. Hand me that crowbar, will ya? Funny how there was one. I know. I figure we'll get inside there, swing a few heavy things around, bust some stuff up. I mean, she's broadcasting from here, right? If we can figure out how to uh, turn off the power <coughs> while Dr. Gangrene and the Phantom Creeps get all those horror hosts to pun away the beasties and the intern can unplug his TV, I think it should all turn out... Um, uh, okay. Be careful with that last board. <coughs> I mean, everything should be easy, right? Jace! I wasn't even looking when I pried that third and final board off of the door. As soon as that rotten wood hit the ground, the door swung open and a giant green hand made out of spectral energy grabbed me. I was pulled inside and the door slammed shut behind, locking Craig out. I was dragged down the empty halls of the long abandoned television studio, battered and bruised with every collision against the decaying and dusty walls. Bursts of plaster fell in our wake. After what felt like the longest ride on the worst roller coaster ever, I found myself inside Studio B. Well, look what the black cat dragged in, my dreadful dreariest. It seems we have a special guest star for this commercial break. I looked up and saw her in the flesh, or what would be flesh if she were alive. Dread a scare in her pinstriped suit and top hat, hovering slightly above the studio floor. Only a few lights were on, pointed down at her sparsely decorated set. A foam tombstone, some spider webs, a plastic skull. A series of television cameras were pointed at her, though no one was there to operate them. You're smaller in person. The camera adds 10 pounds, I'm told, but I could grow a few feet if that makes you feel better. I watched as she enlarged to 10, 20 feet tall, and she loomed overhead like a massive translucent giant. With a flick of her now massive finger, I went flying, crashing into some empty chairs that had been set up. My head was ringing as I got to my feet and I steadied myself against one of those folding chairs as I saw her resume her normal size. I'd say, have a seat. 
but I have better writers than that. <coughs> uh, you don't really have an in-studio audience. <coughs> Darling, the entire town of Lethbridge is my captive audience, though... With a wave of her hand, a series of green rectangles appeared around her. Slowly, like the image coming to life on an old transistor tube TV, the signal faded in. I saw images of the B-movie beasts she conjured up. But more and more, the broadcast showed the creatures being defeated, vanquished at the hands of the horror host who had been brought in to save the day. As the horror host dispatched her celluloid terrors, her voice grew louder. No, 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 no! You've ruined it! You've ruined it all! I'm sorry, Winifred. But it's time to go off the air. What did you call me? Ahem. <clears throat> Winifred Austin Kimball, one-time television personality, killed in Halloween car accident outside of now defunct television station. Lethbridge police report the body of Miss Kimball was found inside her car in the early hours on Wednesday, shortly after a passerby called emergency services over a car accident. Authorities suspect Miss Kimball's car veered off the street before crashing into the streetlight outside the building of her former employer, KRPT. Miss Kimball was best known to Lethbridge as the character Dreda Scare, host of the short-lived Dance Macabre movie showcase on the former Channel 13. Despite gaining a cult following among Lethbridge's late-night viewers, her show was canceled after one season as part of budget cuts. With every word I read from the obituary, those projected screens constricted tighter and tighter and tighter around her until the pressure was too much. The explosion of rage and emotion threw me back as it seemed a tornado had erupted inside the studio. I desperately clung onto that paper, which would prove futile as the channel would be bought by sinful media shortly afterwards. Channel 13 would be shut down. Miss Kimball would open a dance studio in Lethbridge and on Halloween dress up as her character much to the delight of her fans. The obituary was ripped out of my hands and I watched as it caught fire, soon engulfed in a flash of green flame. Enough! I know how that movie ended. The sympathetic creature torn down by an uncaring force far more monster than man. But tonight, on this Halloween, the monster wins! Winifred! Yeah, I probably shouldn't have called her that because I found myself suddenly up against the ceiling and then back down again on the floor. Now you know what it feels like to have the ratings go through the roof only to have it come crashing down. But after enough spectral energy is generated, there will be no worries about that because this show and Halloween won't be renewed forever. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, what's this whole Halloween Forever thing? I feel it's an underdeveloped concept we didn't really flesh out here. 
the Necrotelenomicon. I found out about this little TV guide of doom when I was spending some time on the other side of the grave. And look what I found. Dominus Ex Syndication. A spell that will, after enough energy is generated, close off this town from the rest of the world, creating a perpetual rerun of this one night, Halloween. And who better to entertain those who will forever live on October 31st than me, Dread or Scare? Despite the broken everything I had just suffered, I managed to pull myself up into a sitting position. Oh, oh we already did that. Like... Three years ago, episode 162, every day is Halloween. I think that was X's first appearance. This is not about you, it's about me. This is about me finally getting the spotlight I deserved. Did you know how much those monster kids love seeing me on their television screens on Saturday nights? Sure, I wasn't Elvira, or Captain USA, or the Night Owl, but for two hours, each night, me and my dreadful drearies got to live our spooky little fantasies. They said it was budget cuts, but the cheap owner was just looking to make the station more attractive to sinful media. And you know what that corporation did after they bought Channel 13? Once again, the spectral hand formed, wrapping its giant fingers around me. I was dragged up from the floor and brought face to ghostly face with my undead host. After running nothing but syndicated reruns of Sergeant Binky and my mother, the Scooter, guess what they ran in my old time slot? The 77700 Club. No wonder everyone stopped watching and a year after they bought it, sinful media shut <coughs> down. I think that was a punctured lung. So it sucks that you got fired, but what's with all the crappy horror movies? And she threw me again. They're not crappy! <laughs> You're just like all those other television station owners. I tried to get a job with them after Channel 13 shut down, but they wanted to show Night of the Living Dead and Horrors of Spider Island. Ugh! Like, gag me with a shovel. They hated my movies, and they didn't want to spend any money on my show. My Those movies are gems that everyone has forgotten. So I brought them all back to life. Count Geiger, the 1985 Frankenstein, Bogface, Serpentia, and the Medusa women. All my babies just begging for a second chance to be in the spotlight. You think your little horror host did anything by defeating my monsters? Well, sucker, I have plenty more where that came from. Oh, and when I came back from the other side, I brought the back stock of all the blockbuster videos in the world and wait until you see what's coming up next after this commercial break. Suddenly... Trick or treat, you undead bitch! Like a whirling devil on a tear, Craig Chaos burst into the studio, a 24-inch long professional gray chainsaw in his hands. We watched as the Uncommon Interest host and record producer cut down the series of television cameras pointed at Dreddy and me. He was a man possessed, hacking away at the ancient studio equipment, slicing cables, cameras, and whatever he could find. As quickly as he began his rampage, it was over. Destruction and debris left in his wake. Oh, you just been canceled. You know, those aren't on. What? 
In a blink of an eye, a second spectral hand materialized and smacked Craig clear across the room. His chainsaw went skidding across the floor. <sighs> Where did he get a chainsaw? Uh, then never leave home without it. He shouldn't have tuckered himself out. Look. Those green floating squares appeared again, her phantasma plasma screen TV showing off what seemed to be numerous reruns of Dredda Scare's Dance Macabre. In each screen, a different Dreddy was performing, introducing one movie or another. This is what the town is watching right now. At least those good drearies who decided to stay in and watch TV tonight. I'm able to check in on all of them, including your dreary little intern. His new television certainly has been a help with generating all that spectral energy I need. Uh, boss? Dreddy and I both looked up to the source of the voice. In the center screen, we saw the image of the intern. Behind him, Monster Matt Patterson and Igor sat on the couch. Wait, what are you doing? Didn't your mother tell you not to sit so close to the television? Get away from there. Why, how did you get back? I thought I left the ghouls from City of Demons to guard your apartment. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh... The intern shifted over and in leaned a blue face. <laughs> He took care of them. Intern! A giant green thumb silenced me by covering my face. As I tried to breathe, Dreddy leaned in towards the intern. Now, 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 Dreary. Don't listen to him. In fact, why don't you join your friends there on the couch? Uh, you can get yourself some popcorn or some candy. How about I order a pizza? In fact, how about I let you pick the next movie? How about Camp Dead 3? Even deader. Or Revenge of the Freakies. What about Zombie King Kong? Or hell, I'll even play a trauma movie. Sorry, Dreddy. The intern reached out to the TV. As I said earlier, I think we've had enough television for one night. And flicked it off. No. No. No! Just like that, it was over. And we lived... Happily ever after. Yeah, just kidding. The intern's television exploded. And he was flung backwards. Thankfully, Igor and Monster Matt were there to break his fall as the couch crashed backwards. Yeah, you're definitely not getting your security deposit back. Throughout the town, the monsters that had evaded the grasp of the horror hosts, zombies, diseased hillbillies, masked slashers, demonically possessed boy scouts, and such other bargain bin video nasties turned into a fine green mist that faded away. In the center of town, Dr. Gangrene and the rest of the Phantom Creeps watched in triumphant glee. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We saved Halloween. Cool. Can we please turn the machine off now? Gang Green quickly threw the switch, turning off his machine. Is everyone okay? I think I saw all 900 of my lives flash before my eyes. Oh, call me Joe Cocker because the magic is gone. Uh, you need to buy me all the drinks. All of them. And some candy. Can we do that again for five minutes? I think I cleared up my sinuses and... Yeah, it totally cured my dog breath. You can say that again. 
While the creeps and six-foot-plusers were enjoying their hard-fought victory, Craig and I discovered something startling back at the studio. Why are you still here? We saved the day. We won. Yeah, so... The unnatural, undead storm, and all those green television screens inside Studio 13 had suddenly died, snapped off, ceased to be the moment the intern had turned off his television. With the source of spectral energy cut off, Dreda Scare stopped being a giant green ghoulish ghost and reduced back to the familiar spook we originally saw on the intern's television when he first turned it on. Except she had diminished, not just in size, but in her being. Instead of looking like an undead fiend, we could see her face through the stage makeup. Her, well, I guess you would call them clothes. They looked worn, in need of a good tailor. When she hovered near one of the remaining lit stage lights, it was hard to keep track of her. She faded in and out. So, this is a bit awkward. Aren't you supposed to, like, go back? We deactivated the television and beat back the B-movie monsters. Isn't it over? I don't want to go back. She floated to the center stage to look at both Craig and me. I really liked being Dreda Scare. It was so fun. It really, it really broke my heart when we got canceled. Everyone here at Station 13 loved working on the show too. And I tried to bring her back. I really did. Every year I would reach out to the other stations. It's Halloween. Can Dreddy come out and play if just for one night? And every time they said no. No one wants a horror host. We can't afford the movies. Maybe next year. I don't even know why I was driving down the street that night. I guess I wanted to see the station and, well... And nearly 30 years later, I finally got a chance at a comeback. Yeah, but unleashing a monster horde and turning Halloween into a perpetual rerun? Who doesn't wish Halloween would last forever? And the monsters were scary, but they didn't do any harm. Even Count Geiger, he wasn't going to kill you. He was just going to nibble on your necks for a little bit. All in good fun, right? So what do we do now? I think we answer the phone. With what strength I still had, I walked over to the source of the ringing. It was the landline that was ripped straight from 1985. Uh, uh, hello? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Hold on. Uh, Dreddy, I think it's for you. Yeah, where'd that Dread A scared lady go to? Um, she was awesome. She's just kind of up and and totally vanished. What what's up with uh, that? Yeah, I, I was just calling to wonder where uh, Dread A Scare went. I mean, where did she go? Is is she coming back? I mean, I, I have so many questions. She just left it just open for us. Uh, I hope she comes back. Right. This deadline had come to life, and it seemed that the entire town of Lethbridge was calling in. Her broadcast had continued up until the intern had turned off the signal. And as it turns out, 
The audience at home wanted more. They like me. They really like me. I mean, outside of us getting all our bones broken and organs squished, it was kind of a fun night. Oh yeah. I guess I can say sorry about that. To be fair, we did approach a poltergeist head on, which breaks the first rule of exorcism and social protocol. Though, <coughs> had we succeeded, the entire town would be torch and pitchforking us once they realized we banished their most favorite television personality back to the netherworld. So to repeat what I said before, what are we going to do now? Huh. Dreddy, do you think you have enough juice in you for one more broadcast to all your fans? Really? Well, I think there's enough residual spectral energy. Plus, we must fulfill one more commercial break. I don't want to upset our sponsors. Good. I have an idea.
dreadful drearies. It's dread a scare here, wishing you a happy Halloween. Did you have fun? Did you get transformed into one of my B-movie beasties? Oh, I hope you just had a blast. This is what Halloween is all about, my darlings. Every day we go about our lives in the same old way. But once a year, we can be whatever and whomever we please. Pretend. Let your secret fancies run wild. And don't forget to tune in to Channel 13 next year. Until then, what do they say around these parts? Oh, yes. Stay creepy. Stay strange. And dance their fright away. Once the Dance Macabre monsters had been defeated, Dr. Gangrene and Dr. Calvaria worked together to return all the horror hosts back to their timelines, cities, or realities, ensuring that they would be home right in time to celebrate Halloween with their own adoring fans. Hey, good to see you all. Don't forget to stop by the Horror Hoot Nanny in Nashville next year. It's gonna be a scream. You good, Dr. Calvaria? By the cosmic spirits of Sinote, I am toasted, Dr. Gangrene. Happy Halloween to my lover. Eck the Ghoul finally told the mighty Moloch, Farmer Smith, DJ Gregory, and Dr. Calvaria where the Gravedigger's Local 16 Halloween party was being held. And they managed to arrive before all the food and drink was gone. Oh, no way! They're playing the 12-inch Clubhouse remix of The Monster Mash! I love this song! Yeah, yeah, yeah! I suddenly wish Count Giger had killed us all, and I'm already a cosmic vampire. Oh, lighten up, you old cadaver. I've got a pumpkin-flavored, triple-brewed Belgian lager. It comes with a slice of pumpkin and garlic pizza. All right, cheers, and happy Halloween to all of you creeps and caskets. With the television blown up, the intern, Monster Matt, and Igor busted out the board games while listening to some creepy tunes. Hmm. Wait a minute. How can this game be called Campy Creatures and it not have a Monster Matt Patterson card? I'm practically the campiest creature here! And the episode has had everything from a floating ghoul, a dancing ghost, and more freaky things than I'd care to count! And a count! We even had a Bubba Lugosi, whatever that is. Well, Master, perhaps after people donate to Keymaster Games, new Kickstarter to successfully fund the first expansion set of Campy Creatures, eh, they might think about putting you in the second expansion. You know, number two, because you are number two. <laughs> and that's not a paid advertisement. We just love this card game. Keymastergames.com Would you pass me the popcorn? And it's my turn to cut the deck this time. <laughs> Well, well, <clears throat> um, getting back on track. Following the attack of the B-est of the B-movies, the town of Lethbridge returned to its normal pace. The autumn season gave way to winter. The ground grew cold, hard, and unforgiving to a gravedigger's shovel, and we passed the days with coffee cups and conversation. Winter yielded into spring, and spring gave way to summer, 
And then, a cool, cool breeze blew in to chill your shoulders and send you scurrying for a jacket. The nights grew dark until they were lit by pumpkin light yet again. And on October 31st, at exactly 6 p.m. when the sun had gone down, Did you miss me? It's been so long, but welcome to Dread of Scares Dance Macabre! It took a little bit of lobbying with the higher-ups, but GDL-16 managed to take out a loan and purchase the old KRPT building, as well to cover the cost of attaining all the broadcasting licenses we'd need to get back on the air. It took a year of renovation to get it all up to code, and after establishing a partnership with Templeton University's communication department and some strategic hiring, KRPT Channel 13 made its triumphant return just in time for Halloween. Oh, you won't believe the terrifying tales I have to tell you. And don't you worry, we'll be here throughout the night so you can tune in after you're done trick-or-treating. She oversaw the renovation of the building. Sometimes she would appear and we talked for hours about all the things that happened during those years she was away. We brought over new movies for her to watch. Some nights, while driving by the station, after completing a graveyard shift, I would see a light on in the office window. During the summer, she'd be gone for weeks, but as it started to grow colder, she would be there more and more. When it was finally time for lights, camera, action, there she was, as if it was 30 years ago. Dread a scare, the dancing cadaver, the strutting specter, the high kick and crypt keeper, the beloved horror host, live and undead and on the air. <laughs> it's so good to be back! And Lethbridge was glad to have her back. No matter what people did that Halloween, where they went to a costume party, went around to score some candy, or caught a monster movie matinee, they made sure to tune in to see Dread a Scare because they knew it really wouldn't be Halloween without her. And that is why I'm going to stay inside tonight and watch movies instead of going outside with you. I'll die again. Uh, let go. Talk about treating Uncle Jay. Then can you please dress up like Frankenstein, please? I'll die again. Okay, okay. You little rugrats convinced me. I'll go trick-or-treating with you, but let me do a few things first, okay? So, dear listener, looks like my little story didn't get me out of taking my niece and nephew trick-or-treating. Oh well. Gotta be the good uncle. But before we go out and get some candy, let me take a moment to say, wow, we did it. We actually put this episode together. Let's take a moment to appreciate every single creep and ghoul who made this year's Halloween special possible. I was hoping to have it up sooner, but as you can see, it took a while to get all the working parts of this monster in place. And good things come to those who wait. This is indeed the biggest Halloween adventure and perhaps the biggest six foot plus episode ever. For a moment, I wasn't really sure we were gonna make it happen, and yet everyone worked hard and we were able to make this orange and black dream come true. If six foot plus, were to quote-unquote go off the air tomorrow, I could rest easy knowing that we put this phenomenal episode out. We did this. 
This is this is fantastic. And I have a lot of people to thank. First off, thanks to Monster Matt, Patterson, and Igor. It wouldn't be a Halloween episode without them. And thanks to you, Monster Matt, for continuing to provide a weekly moment of groan-inducing side-splitters with the Monster Matt Minute. Thanks to Craig Chaos of Uncommon Interests. While the podcast remains on hiatus, Uncommon Interests, the record label, continues to put out these amazing albums. The newest, as of this recording, is The Epidemic's Quarantine Days. Find it at Uncommon Interests on Bandcap. Dr. Gangrene made his return to Six Foot Plus. When you're done digging through the Six Foot Plus archives to listen to all his installments of Metal Morgue, head on over to YouTube and subscribe to his channel. This year, his Halloween countdown is a howling good time as he's counting down all the best werewolf movies of all time. Speaking of werewolves, thank you to Farmer Smith, DJ Gregory, Eck the Ghoul, Dr. Calvaria, Decomposer, and the Mighty Moloch, aka the Phantom Creeps. I'm very lucky to call them friends, and this lowly ghoulish gravedigger is very lucky that they were all part of this year's holiday episode. Keep track of everything Phantom Creep, from the Phantom Creep radio podcast to Playgoal Magazine, over at phantomcreep.com. A massive thank you, with hearts full of gratitude, to Madassin, Madison, Mad 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 Daddy, who brought Dread Scare to life. This episode would be nowhere as amazing if anybody else but her were to play Dread Scare. Man, bravo, brava. You can find one of her alter egos fronting the band Snatch Attack, and we will be sure to tell you all about their musical madness on future episodes of Six Foot Plus. A major thanks to all the amazing horror hosts who graciously graced our little town this year. In no specific order, let us give thanks to Aurora Gorealis, host of Shocktail Hour. Find her at the Golden West Cafe in Baltimore on the second Thursday of every month. Keep up with all her creepy activities on Facebook and Instagram. Aurora underscore Gorealis. Bubba Lugosi is also on Instagram. Bubba Lugosi, all one word. The host of the Creature Feature Shock Theater Horror Show show is doing Cincinnati Proud, carrying on the horror host tradition of that fine city. Lord Bloodraw of Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Theater can be found online at lordbloodraw.com. Head on over there to find all the important links and to discover when the good Lord is airing on a frequency near you. The Caretaker, host of Spine Chilling Cinema, can be found on the air in Wisconsin on KSUN, Charter Channel 98, KSUN, TDS, SD13, and HD1013, I think. <laughs> you can keep track of him and the Mad Doctor and their whole cavalcade of creepy characters over on Facebook. Look for Spine Chilling Cinema. Uncle Eerie of Uncle Eerie's Shiver Show can be found on Instagram, Uncle underscore Eerie, and look for him on YouTube. Subscribe, give him a thumbs up, you know the drill. Uncle Spooky, spelled U-N-K-L-E, is also on Instagram, Uncle underscore Spooky, and you can find him on Facebook, so you can keep track of all his appearances at Community in Long Island City. 
Mr. Lobo, host of the nationally syndicated Cinema Insomnia, can be found haunting your late-night television channels. And for those of you online, he can be seen on Roku Channel OSI 74. For all things Cinema Insomnia, head to cinemainsomnia.com and find Mr. Lobo on the Facebook, on the Instagram, on the Twitter, and beyond. Once again, thank you to every single horror host who appeared on this program, making it the spectacular installment that it will forever be. Big thanks to Charlie Brown of the Browns for bringing to life both the American Werewolf in Calgary, or it could have been a Calgary Werewolf in America, as well as his performance as Bernie Freak Show. The commercials you heard on this episode were done by John Jughead Pearson of Jughead's Basement. It's an honor to be a part of that podcast, so check it out. In addition to all his reviews of awesome punk albums, he conducts lo-fi interviews with hi-fi people. Subscribe to Jughead's Basement and listen to every single episode. It's awesome. And his commercials this time around were brilliant. It's always great to have him as part of this podcast. This time around, I had help from my own little strange family. Big thanks to my nephew Cameron, my niece Lily, to Papa Strange and Sister Strange herself. Not every family is strange, but mine definitely is. <laughs> and I love them a lot. Plus, I must extend my deepest, sincerest thanks to two amazing gentlemen who graced this show this year. First off, the mysterious voice reciting Zachary's poem from the Horror Hootenanny compilation at the start of this show was none other than the legendary rock and roll icon himself, Kid Congo Powers. Not only has he taken rock and roll far out and beyond and back with his band, The Pink Monkey Birds, but Mr. Powers has been part of such incredible rock groups like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, The Gun Club, and The Cramps. Find him on Twitter to keep track of all his upcoming appearances at Kid Congo Powers. And definitely pick up every single album by the Pink Monkey Birds. I, they're phenomenal. Speaking of the cramps, a massive thank you goes out to Mr. Stephen Blickenstaff. October 31st, 2018 marks the 35th anniversary of when he drew the artwork of what would become the Bad Music for Bad People album by the cramps. This is indeed a special Halloween, dear listener, and Mr. Blickenstaff, while speaking to fans about this amazing piece of art, said it was inspired by the old EC Comics horror hosts and the expressions that Lux Interior would make while performing. Thank you for being part of this little zombie dance, Mr. Blickenstaff, and sorry we melted your face off. Finally, dear listener, thank you. Thank you for sticking with Six Foot Plus throughout all these years, and especially for listening to this massive episode. Thanks to every single one of you who has ever clicked download or, or pressed play or told somebody about this little creepy show. I truly appreciate you. And man, if you listen to this all in one go, I am so, so proud of you. Most of all, dear listener, have a wonderful holiday. Make this the best Halloween yet. Okay, okay. I've talked a lot this year, and I need to go take my nephew and niece trick-or-treating. I think we have a couple more songs left, so let's play them while I go get into costume. Until next time, dear listener, 
stay creepy, stay strange, and most of all, Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Well, good evening, all you boils and ghouls out there. It is I, your old pal, Eck the Ghoul, and I'm here with my screaming spookily. And we're going to play a little song for you tonight. Uh, this one's near and dear to my cold, dead black heart. You ever have one of those nights where you're bored to tears? You don't know what to do with yourself. You're kind of stuck inside. And uh, you got to get out. 
You're scratching at the walls or the top of the coffin. And you just, uh, you gotta get out there. You gotta go do something. That's what this is about. It goes a little something like this. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <clears throat> this is a ghoul's night out. Suffer on me. Devil's born in angels' arms. Ghouls in heaven fall. This is a ghoul's night out. All ghouls go to hell. Humans held on eating flesh. It's my destiny. I want I take one, two, three, four. Go, 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 night out. 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 Go, go. Fall. This is ghouls, not now. All ghouls go to hell.
Lethbridge Machinery and Equipment Rental. Oh, hey, Mr. Tapes, how's it going? Oh, good. Did you get the payment? Yep, the parts, it worked like a charm. You let me know if you find any more of those experimental northern Transylvanian television sets. I'll pay top dollar. The next time, let's make sure the delivery is sometime before midnight. I can't be staying up that late anymore. <laughs> All right, you old bloodsucker. Talk with you soon. Bernie Freakshow returned his attention back to his inventory list. A ray of afternoon sunlight shone through the office window, hitting a hanging picture frame. Behind the glass were three yellowed photographs taken 30 to 50 years ago. The biggest picture was the oldest, one of Bernie's extended family taken when he was just a boy. The second picture featured his mother and her four sisters sitting around a kitchen table while a teenage Bernie stood in the back near the fridge. The third and final picture was that of a 20-something-year-old Bernie standing next to one of the women from the prior photo. He smiled proudly while pointing to his Dread Scares Dance Macabre t-shirt featuring the face of the television personality. The woman in the picture had her arms wrapped around his shoulders in a warm embrace, and her smile was wider than his. At first glance, you wouldn't immediately recognize that this woman's face matched the one on her nephew's t-shirt, but yes, a closer inspection would reveal her to be the hostess just out of costume. As the afternoon light hit the picture frame's glass, the reflection caught Bernie's eye. He looked up from his ledger and gazed at the photos across the office. He allowed himself a smile. Hmm. Welcome back, Aunt Winnie. Happy Halloween. 